we are on air here at Fanfaration Radio, and tonight we are doing our NASCAR uh, race review for both Nashville Super Speedway and Elko Speedway. Uh, so we've got a big night tonight, uh, a lot of to talk about, and a couple of guests. So we're going to start this episode with some short track news, and behind that we're going to do our review of the Arkham Menard Series at Elko Speedway this past weekend. Uh, we'll include some Arca East and West updates, and then we'll end our first half hour with a review of the NASCAR Truck Series at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, then our guest, uh, at 9 o'clock, our guest, Derek Thorne, will join the conversation. He's the driver of the number 43 in the SRL Southwest Touring Series with Campbell Motorsports. And uh, he's got uh, some news on the sponsorship side, as well as some upcoming races to talk about. Uh, after that, uh, we'll do our NASCAR Xfinity Series Nashville review. And at 9.30, we have another guest, Christian Rose with Cook Racing Technologies, driver of the number 42, uh, will come on board. And we'll talk to Christian about, uh, uh, you know, he's racing across all three series this season uh, in the Arkham Menard Series. So the Arkham Menard Series, the East and the West, we'll talk to him about that and uh, perhaps some of the future races that are coming up. After that, we'll do our Cup Series review at Nashville. And, uh, of course, 10 o'clock is our Hot Topic Sound Off with FM for Racing Crew. So joining me for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, and that is, for, the, for him to come into the queue here, that is Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. Well, uh, it's good to have you on board. We've got a big night tonight, lots to talk about uh, and review in the first 90 minutes of our show here tonight. We're going to start with some uh, short track racing news. And, in fact, um, I wanted to kind of talk about what is happening in the SRX because they had their second race this past weekend out at South Boston Speedway. And uh, Tony Stewart was the winner of that. Uh, race uh, in front of packed grandstands on Saturday night out of South Boston Speedway. Uh, Tony earned his first XRX win of this season. Uh, great baseball, Bobby Labani, followed by uh, close behind him, earning podium finishes. Biffle won Heat 1, and the season opener winner, Helio Castronavis, won Stage 2. So uh, that was pretty cool. Yes, it is. It's it. Uh, actually, I was I was looking at some of the drivers in here and um, seeing um, Peyton Sellers is a name that a, a mm-hmm. lot of short track people will remember from um, back from the days when they had the um, used to run the Toyota All Star Showdown and NASCAR uh, Can and West Series. He was a big uh, mm-hmm. uh, participant in it. But Tony Stewart wins his own. Um, Wins his own uh, <laughs> series. His own uh, what is series? Yeah, the only thing missing was 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 uh, Leah Pruitt and um, Matt Hagen winning this weekend for for sweep. No, oh, that would be um, that in would NHRA. Be 
Yeah, and then, yeah. And then at least one driver for Stuart Haas winning would have really made his um, would have really been a I would have been a historical weekend. Yes, indeed. Greg Bickle, as we mentioned earlier, he finished second. Fabio Labani finished third. Ryan Newman in fourth. Ernie Francis Jr., a lot of people remember him from Rev Racing. He's raced there uh, quite a bit, and I think he's done some other open-wheel racing. Uh, he finished seventh in the main event, and you mentioned Peyton Sellers. He came home uh, finishing tenth for the night. So uh, uh, pretty uh, big night there. Uh, the ones in between, uh, let's see here. Brian Newman, Helio Castroneves finished fifth, Tony Canon sixth. We mentioned Ernie Francis in seventh. Marco Andretti finished eighth. And I know there was a little bit of um, back and forth between Tony Stewart and Marco Andretti. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray finished ninth, and Peyton Sellers finished in tenth, followed by Michael Waltrip and Paul Tracy. So, um, Pretty cool to see that race uh, taking place up in South Boston Speedway. Yes, it is, especially in South Boston, because when we um, when we get our first guest on tonight, he'll be making a stop at South Boston this weekend for uh, for yes. a prolate bottle start. So yeah, kind of need to ask that him what he thinks about going there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be really cool to talk to him about that. Um, any other short track racing news you want to bring up here? You know what? Actually, we're we're silent out here on the West Coast this weekend. They have they have some racing up up in Madeira, but I didn't I didn't get the um, results. And actually, just to let you know, I did get a hold of Stephen Blakesley and told him that you were going to be um, sending your email. So he's going to start sending you all the press releases that he does from Madeira and um, All America Speedway because um, Madeira oh, did good. have a they did have a they raced in 108 degree weather this weekend, so it was a it was a barn burner to say to say the least. Um, I, I don't know how they can how they can race in that kind of heat. Yes, indeed. Um, Racing America also put out a video uh, about an exciting 100 laps at South, for the Southern Super Series action at Race Trico. It came down to a final duel between Hunter Robbins and Jackson Boone on Saturday night. Uh, you can get full highlights of that race over at Racing America. So uh, that's uh, kind of an update on what happened in that particular race. You know, just real quick on the on the Hunter Robbins, um, I'm sure a mm-hmm. lot of us remember Johanna Long. Johanna Long, who used to run in the truck series. That's yep. uh, that's her husband. <laughs> oh, okay. Very yeah, cool. so that, that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's kind of neat, you know, to see him. He 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 uh, he makes his stop at the Derby every year. Him and Johanna, but now it's Johanna Long Robbins. So, just a little, uh, a little name, little name figure there to keep an eye on. Yep, we've had her on her our show uh, back in the day. Uh, the car's late model stuck is heading to North Wilkesboro, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. says he hopes to race at North, North Wilkesboro. So uh, a couple of great articles there over at, at Racing America. Uh, Flow Racing has some news as well. 
if you want to hear some of the news there. Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell are going to race during the PA Speed Weeks. And, in fact, I think if you head over to Flow Racing, if you're a subscriber over there, you can actually watch part of those races uh, with their uh, program, uh, with their live streaming over there. Over at Flow Racing, yeah, it's a it's a good uh, it's a good um, uh, uh, a good it's a good subscription to have. They a lot of lot a lot of lot of racing on Flow Racing. They they do anything from dirt to local tracks, a lot of local tracks and stuff. And um, they have a really a uh, really big schedule. They run all during the week, so you you can always see something, always see something out there. Absolutely. Uh, now. Um, if you, you, both of those are really great resources for local short track racing. So, uh, I highly recommend that you uh, check those out. RacingAmerica.com and FlowRacing.com always has uh, a great, uh, array, uh, a great, uh, number of short track racing events that you can watch once you become a subscriber there. Now, I want to go ahead and move on now to the Arkham and Art Series. They raced again this weekend, and the winner, uh, again, is Sammy Smith. You may recall he won the last race out at Barney, Michigan. Uh, he had to, he had a little bit of luck to win that race, but the race that he won this weekend at Elko Speedway, he dominated the entire day uh, for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the number 18 uh, in that Menards 250 to earn his second Arkham Menards Series victory in as many weeks. So uh, that's uh, amazing that Sammy Smith is doing now in the Arkham Menards Series what he's been doing in the arcade. <clears throat> Yes, it is. Well, I remember we did the preview on Thursday about it, and uh, gosh, this kid is just an, he's just an amazing talent. And come on, why don't you want to come he on? Is. He swept the day at Elko. He opened the afternoon by top all of that by earning the general tire pole award during qualifying. So he led off the field uh, at the drop of the green flag. And uh, I think there were just uh, a few cases, only a few situations where somebody else took the lead. But uh, they didn't hold it for very long because uh, Sammy Smith was just so dominant. Yeah, even his even his uh, even his uh, margin of victory of you know four point one 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 nine seconds. <laughs> that's amazing, that's a, isn't it? Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Taylor, let's see if we can get the rest of it here. Uh, Jesse Love uh, had to settle for a second-place finish. Then it was Landon Templeton making his ARCA Series debut. He finished third for Venturini Motorsports in the number 15 um, and raced within the top five throughout the evening. Taylor Gray finished in fourth place um, after spinning to bring out the first caution of the race, and Daniel Dye rounded out that top ten. The next five drivers were Tom Hesser, Roger Carruth, Greg Van Alt, Willie Mullins, Ron Vandermeer Junior, uh were and they were all sixth through tenth respectively. So uh, a big race 
for the Arkham and Art Series this past weekend, and Sammy Smith, just dominant. Yes, it was a big race, and like you said, you know, domination was was just a uh, was just a little bit, you know, of, of how much he, um, you know, how much he, you know, like we said, you know, with the, gosh, I'm stirring over my words, <laughs> with his margin of victory, and and the and the win was huge for him. Yes, indeed. Do you want to go ahead and cover the uh, points report, Sal? Yes. So the points we got um uh Roger Caruth leading the points, we got Nick Sanchez in second, Daniel Dye in third, Tony Bredinger is in fourth, and Greg Van Van Ous, um rounds out the top five. And then from there then we go to uh Amber Balkin in sixth, Zachary Tinko in seventh, Brad Smith in eighth, Sammy Smith in ninth, and DL Wilson is in tenth. And just a little reminder, the top eight are the only ones that have raced all eight races. And in ninth is Sammy Smith. He only has four races in, and it's sitting ninth in points. Isn't that incredible? With, yeah. With, with with the two wins, four four top fives and four top tens. Wow. Yeah. With an average finish races. of 1.8. <laughs> yeah. With an average, yeah. With an average finish of 1.8 in four races. Gosh, can you imagine if he was – if he ran the whole series, he would. I mean, he he would he would be but in his he own. He did it in the East. Um, He's been dominating the East series all season long, and he did the same thing last year. So um, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing to watch his career as it continues to unfold. And I'm sure it's not the last that we're going to hear from Sammy Smith. Uh, just to kind of give you an update on um, on. Uh, what's coming up next in the Arkham Menard series. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit with our second guest as well, uh, because they're coming on board at 930. Uh, Christian Rose, who's racing in all three series this year. Uh, the next race is actually June, July the 2nd, coming up this weekend out at Irwindale Speedway uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific time. That would be 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and it will be available via live streaming on Flow Racing. So the West is going to be racing uh, very soon here. Um, coming up this weekend, the Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. Yes, it's definitely going to be a good race. And the weather is going to be, uh, <laughs> if, it, if it's anything like it has been out here, it's going to be a hot one. I'm sure it's going to be just as hot on the track, too. But they're calling for the weather this weekend for that race to be um, actually a real nice, uh, cool 82 degrees. So it's not going to be a bad it's not going to be a bad evening, evening for racing. Not too bad. Okay, then next up on July 8th, the following weekend, we have the Dawn 150 at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course for the Arca Menard Series and the Arca, the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, one of the 10 races within the uh, 20 races of the Arca Menard Series that are dedicated to another championship uh, opportunity. Uh, that will be televised on Fox Sports 1, so fans will be able to watch that road course race July 8th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So you'll definitely want to mark your calendars uh, for that event. 
Yeah, we got some good racing coming up. I'll tell you, in the next couple of weeks, um, this month of July, it's going to be a uh, uh, there'll be a lot of racing going on yeah. out there. And um, you know, like Sharon said, you know, there's a you know, make sure to hit up Flow and um, and, and Racing America. And then, of course, you know, your Arkham and Arts, um website, you know, to get the the schedules on who's running where, what times, and and uh, and where you can watch them at. Exactly. The ARCA East, you're going to have to wait for though, Sal, because the Sprecher 150 does not take place until August the 28th at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, and that's out at the Milwaukee Mile. It will be televised, though, if you have MAP TV. You'll be able to watch that uh, via your MAP TV Motorsports Network. So, um for those fans that don't have Mav TV or Flow Racing or FS1, you can actually listen to the radio over at ArcaRacing.com as well. And of course, as these dates come closer, uh, Jay and I will be doing the preview of these races. Uh, well, we'll be doing the July 8th race. Uh, we'll be previewing that race this Thursday. Or, I mean, the uh, Irwindale race we'll be previewing this Thursday. Okay. Anything else you want to bring up here about the Arkham Menard series? Before no, that's really about it. Yeah, that's really about it. The race is gonna. It's also gonna be. They're gonna run in a congestion with the night of destruction. So um, Erndale's gonna have another big fireworks show. Um, it'll be a crash 'em up. You know, um, all kinds of good stuff. You know, for the kids and. Um, just a reminder, you know, Tim Tim and Lisa Huddleston, are, they're doing a really awesome job at Orndale. They're doing Amazing. giveaways during the race. All during the race, they're giving just all kinds of prizes and stuff out. And if you're in the area, you know what, you really want to go check it out. Their fireworks show that they've been having after the race is amazing. I mean, it is it is a top-notch show. And this, for 4th of July, they're really going to pump up the, the fireworks and really um, blow up the skies this uh, Saturday night. Okay, so if you're out in in that California area, definitely get your tickets now for Wendell Speedway. Okay, uh, with that, Jay, I'm sorry, Sal, Darn, was doing so good. With that, Sal, we're going to go ahead uh, now and move on to the Truck Series race. Uh, they also raced at Nashville Super Speedway this past weekend in the Rackley Roofing 200. The race winner was Ryan Priest at the age of 31, driving for Hunt's Brothers Pizza Ford, the number 17 for David Gilliland Racing. His uh, crew chief this weekend is Seth Smith. It was the second annual Rackley Roofing 200 and his second victory in eight truck series races his first victory in best top 10 finish this year and his second victory in second top 10 finish in two races at nashville super speedway zane smith uh finished in second it was his second top 10 finish in two races at nashville and his 12th top 10 finish this season he's had an amazing season so far croson harsbar finished third posting his first top 10 finish in two races at nashville Dean Thompson finished 14th. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Ryan Priest had to hold off Zane Smith in order to defend his next uh, truck series win at Nashville. 
his tires were chattering with age uh, over the final few laps, but Ryan Priest held off a charging Zane Smith and Carson Hosevar to win Friday night directly roofing 200 at Nashville Super Speedway. The victory uh, was a second straight for David Gilliland Racing after Todd Gilliland won last Saturday night's Truck Series race on dirt out at Knoxville Raceway in the number 17 Ford. Uh, that's the same number that Priest drove on Friday night to win his race. Um, Though, again, it's, it was his first of the season uh, and second of his career. Zane Smith was second, followed by Carson Hosepar, Ty Majeski in fourth, and Stuart Friesen round out the top ten. The next, I'm sorry, it's the top five. The next five drivers were Christian Eckes, uh, Tyler Ankrum, Max Gutierrez, John Hunter Nemechek, and Matt Crafton to round out the top ten. Priest started from the pole, and uh, he won stage two and led 74 laps. Smith won the opening stage. There were uh, seven lead changes among four drivers and eight cautions for 43 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 102.717 miles per hour. Your uh, thoughts about those top ten drivers? Yeah, it was a it was a really um, exciting race, especially you know when it came down to the end. Um, you know, Zane Smith just really didn't have nothing. It seemed like he was he he did have something for Priest, and then he didn't. But um, I'll tell you, uh, I, I know that the big talk of the of the whole race uh, was um, uh, Max Gutierrez, you know, and the run that he had, you know, finishing eighth in, in that race. Um, There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, bumping and banging in it, and uh, I'll tell you, Ryan was just really, really the pass of the field. Um, you know, uh, it was it was a re- it was a really good run for Ryan. You know, he he deserved the he deserved the win, and just really, um, like I said, he just really went out there and just dominated. You know, the second half, Zane Smith, of course, he led a lot of laps too. You know, it kind of looked like Zane would have had kind of a little bit of control of the race, but at the end, you know, it was Ryan Priest, and congratulations to David Gilliland, you know, getting their second win in a row, you know, in the trucks, you know, with, yes. um, like I said, Todd, Todd Gilliland getting the last win over at, uh, at Knoxville in the dirt. Yep, yep. The margin of victory was .507 seconds, uh, and there were a few people who had, uh, well, one person had a mechanical issue. That was uh, James. Uh, he had a rear gear issue. That's why he was in last place. But uh, on lap six, Jack Wood had an accident, taking him out of competition. Lap 20, it was Camden Murphy, also an accident that took him out. Corey Heim had an accident along with Grant Infinger on lap 126. That took both of them out. Matt Benedetto, a few laps later in lap 132, had an accident. Tanner Gray had an accident on lap 142. No, he was actually running. Okay, never mind there. Uh, Tanner Gray actually finished the race running. So, uh, But there were quite a few accidents there. Yeah, there was. You know, it kind of felt, kind of felt bad for Corey Iim. You know, he got caught up in that, in that one accident, you know. It was, you know, really late on in the race. And um, he was, he was, but he was, he was running pretty, he was running a pretty, pretty good, pretty solid race there too. 
but um yeah you know him and him and uh him and Enfinger got into it you know and um you know of course you know it, it ended the you know the night for the both of them but um you know it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a really good run by you know Corey was really he's really showing a lot of poise I know we followed him a lot last year when he ran the art the Arkham and Art series when him and uh yes. Ty uh, Ty Gibbs were going back and forth with the wins you know and the finishes and um so, uh, you know, that's going to be a name to really keep an eye on, you know, as the season progresses and as the years progress, too. Yeah, I think that was an incident where they went four wide uh, into a turn or coming off of a turn, and uh, there really wasn't four wide there. And uh, at some point, somebody had to give, and it just happened to be those two drivers. So it was just one of those racing deals. But... Um, uh, it, it had to feel bad for both of those drivers uh, ending their nights early. You want to go ahead and hit the um, points report? Let me get, yeah. Uh, I can't believe I just had it. Here we go, driver points. The driver points is uh, is Zane Smith is uh, leading the points. Wow. John Henry Mimacek in second. Ben Rose in third. Chandler Smith in fourth. Stuart Friesen in fifth. Actually, Stuart Friesen rounds out the top five. And then from there, then we go to Ty Majewski. Uh, seventh is Christian Eckes. Eighth is Carson Hosovar. Ninth is Grant Infinger. And tenth is uh, Matt Crafton, who's holding up the tenth. They only take the tenth, right? Then it's 12 and then 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. Take, yeah, they the the in, yeah. in the truck series. Yeah, then 12 yeah. In, the, in the Xfinity series. But, um, man, Dave Smith is really racking up those. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Zane Smith is really racking up those playoff points. He's up to 21, 21 playoff yes. points with six stage wins. And next on the board is um, Ben Rose with only 13 uh, stage wins with uh, – or 13 playoff points with eight stage wins. Gosh, Zane Smith is just really, yes. really setting himself up for a really strong uh, championship run uh, come, come the uh, yeah, come the playoff playoff time. Yes, indeed. Uh, another thing I'd like to point out is Timers have three wins, and that that includes Corey Hines has uh, two race wins, and so that Ryan Priest has the one race win now. Uh, both of those drivers are below the cut line, but uh, they're not racing full time in the uh, Camping World Truck Series, so they're not eligible to be in the playoffs. Uh, but I think it's worth noting you've got two part-timers with three wins. Yes, and, and Derek Krause is little by little. He's, he's uh, catching up to... Uh, he's getting closer. Yeah, he's getting close to Matt Crafton for that last cut-off spot. There are only 29 points. Uh, there's only 29 points uh, separating them. So, uh, you know, there's still uh, a good possibility you know, that Matt could pick up a win you know, and, and, you know, basically end that, end that little discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, Derek could get a win too. So we'll have to kind of wait and see how that all plays out. Uh, but it's uh, pretty exciting at this point. Now our next guest is going to be coming on board here uh, very shortly. So let's go ahead and set up our guest. So. Yeah. Our next guest is uh is a guest you know that we've had on you know numerous times uh, throughout the throughout our our, our tenure here at um, Bamford Racing. Um, 
this year, of course, you know, he made the announcement, you know, that he changed up his program a little bit, you know, um, you know, looking more, you know, to, to race the big, the big races back East, you know, and make his presence known back East. So, um, you know, he's, uh, with that, you know, he's picked up a lot of sponsorship, uh, amazing job that him and his, that him and the team are doing. He picked up, um, four more sponsors of um, new, new, source, uh, looks like all, all right, uh, rooms and additions. Uh, Fire Dog, and then he picked up this uh, El Bandito Tequila, which is also going to have a uh, a pre-race party before the um, before the Slinger Nationals, when this when this uh, Slinger race comes in in a few weeks. So um, I know he's going to want to talk about his sponsorship, but more than that, it's um, you know his upcoming July is going to be full. He's got the um, South Boston race, which is a pro late, and then he has uh, Slinger Nationals, which is super late. And then at the end of the month, he's going to be going back to Evergreen Speedway in, in, uh, in Monroe, Washington, to race both the Super Late and race the, um, the Pro Late in the, uh, in the Summer Showdown, which is a race that, that's kind of been his nemesis. So um, it's going to be a, a really good uh, July coming up for Derek Thorne. We, you know, I know a lot of everyone's wondering when he's coming back. You know, you know excited to see him. And... Um, Gosh, this late this layoff is really. Uh, I think this is one of the longest layoffs he's had in his whole uh, racing season. So he's anxious to get back behind the wheel. <clears throat> oh yeah, he's he is he's. I talked to him a little bit last Saturday at the track, and he's excited to get back and um, you know, and, and you know, see how he matches up, you know, against these uh, you know, against these drivers, you know, from the East Coast. Um, you know, I always said it, you know, what when, when you have the talent and, the, you know, the willpower and, and just the drive, you know what, um, you know, it takes maybe hopefully a, a couple of practice laps, you know, knock a little bit of the rest off, you know, and then to get him back in uh, winning form. But in between that, he's he's getting some seat time, you know, as he's working with um, John, um, John Moore uh, from JM, uh, JM Environmental, the number 27 car in the SRL series, and also with uh, Jacob Gomes in the 16, who is, who is the uh, SRL points leader, and he's doing uh, 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 some um, developmental stuff with some of the younger drivers in the in the junior late models, and also in the in the pro late models. So he's he's staying busy. I guess so. Uh, he's here now, Sal. If you want to go ahead and start the interview. Okay. Well, our next guest, we want to welcome Derek Thorne back. Um, I know he's busy getting ready for this for this uh, weekend coming up, you know, his race to South Boston. Um, got a lot of things to prep for. It's going to be neat to see him in a, in a pro late, you know, instead of his, his normal super late. So I know that's going to be a challenge for him. But other than that, I mean, like we were talking earlier, you know, all these new sponsorships, all these new sponsorships, partners he's picking up, it's amazing how he can he's just going full bore with all this and um you know and really putting uh you know a good you know hundred and ten percent effort out there. And with that we want to welcome Derek. Welcome to the show, Derek. Sal, Sherry, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks We're for coming back on. I'm happy you always. It's been a while. It has been a while. Thanks for having me on. No, yeah, I mean, you know, we finally get, you know, not only talk about some sponsorship, you know, but also finally get to talk about, you know, an upcoming race, you know, it's, you know, it's coming up here this weekend, you know, at, at South Boston with the, uh, with the, uh, with your pro late team. 
Right. Yeah. No, July is uh, of, of the year, right? Or we're we're busy, very busy in July because we come this coming weekend. We have the late model stocks, like you're talking about. I'm not sure we consider them a pro, a pro late per se, but it definitely has. You know, it's like a it's almost like an Arca chassis, similar to an Arca chassis with like a super late or late model body on it. You know, and the engines make a little bit more horsepower than the pro late. And, you know, run a little bit harder tire on the left side and stuff like that. But looking forward to, you know, Marcus Richmond and RNS Race Cars, we've been talking to them for a few months and kind of had this in the works, you know, and we really wanted to do something prior to Martinsville, you know, and they have a Thanksgiving Classic as well in November um, that we're focusing on doing. So hopefully this race here is kind of a, a kickstart of sorts for, for Marcus and myself and our sponsor, Cover Jack Kennels, um, the Tool Shack, um, Reeves, Dave Reeves, um, what they do for us, and Fire Dog and Hopefully we can go out to Virginia and put on a good show for the fans and do something new. I've been to Virginia once before or South Boston, but um, I really haven't had the chance to run those cars at that track. Was I haven't really raced against many of those guys at all that are racing in that race. So those guys are, are tough in their own right for what they do. They're really good at it, and hopefully we can learn quick and be fast. Well, you know, speaking about your, you know, Marcus Richmond, you know, and the and the RNS uh, race cars, you know, that you're driving over there with the late model team. That's a team that it actually is not not a it's not a one of those uh, slouch teams. I mean, they're they're like you know they're one of the number one teams in the country. Plus, you know, you got Marcus Richmond, you know, who's you know who's who's the known winner out there. So, I right. think with the with the with the way you guys are with the way you have your you know your your uh, schedule set up, you know, with the you know with the with the race and also you know with all the sponsorship. I mean, it, it's obvious they're hungry to see you you know, to be able to pick up all the yeah, extra sponsorship so. for, you know, for not only this race, but also for, you know, your races coming up. Right. You know, we've been so fortunate the last 10 years, you know, Byron Campbell's kept us, you know, running up front and he's given us the best equipment and Mike Keen to produce the cars he does and the speed we got and the partnerships we've had. And then, you know, meeting Marty and Mitzi Mello or reacquainting with Marty and Mitzi Mello last year, more on the racing side. We've always been friends for the last 20 years, but, um, for what they're doing on the sponsorship side and, and the, the contacts and the people we're meeting, you know, like Marty, fantastic people, right? Some of the nice people ever meet. And then as we've gone on, you know, Marty got to know Colton Wright of the Tool Shack and Regina Wright of the Tool Shack um, sponsorship. And they're, they're, they're just, it's a good fit. You know, now they're not just sponsors. They're great people, great friends. They're awesome to work with. Um, you got Dave Reeves. You got Daryl Abbott. Um, you have all these guys that we've kind of acquainted with, Rent Source. They, they just be a good fit for all of us, and it's been fun. And to have, like, the Power Grade Incorporated, Scott French, Simone, and Jim Putman, you know, they took me to the Derby back in 2013 to still have them help support in our racing stuff. So it's it's a group effort of sorts because, like, we go to South Boston. You know, racing is a grueling sport anyways, but for us, like, we go to South Boston, you know, this coming weekend. We fly home. we got to be in Slinger, Wisconsin with Steve Apel, um for the Slinger Nationals coming up. Um, you know, and then we got to get back. we got to go to Stockton with John Moore, Carlos Vieira, and Jacob Gomes. Um, in mid-July, and then as soon as we get done with that, we got to leave for Washington that Monday. We're on the summer showdown up in Washington, and then we get back from that. We got to be back to Madeira with Carlos um, and Madeira like July 31st. So it's like five straight weeks, five different states. It's just chaos for us. But like I said, you can't do it without partners and sponsors. You know, to have Pepper Jack Kennels, Power Grade, Tool Shack, Double Eagle Transportation, Rent Source, Fire Dog, and then his Swinger. You know, like we're talking about sponsors, we have El Bandito Yankee Tequila. Um, as a primary sponsor, as well as Gravely Mowers, uh, Lawnmowers, they're out of Wisconsin as well. So to have two local sponsors, then to, to bring on All Right Home and Remodeling, um, they were one of my original sponsors when I moved to Wisconsin um, 10 years ago. 
you know, so it's so cool to be re- reacquainted with the Midwest and the people and the sponsors we've had in the past. And it's just a group effort of all sorts. A lot of work goes on behind the scenes to get to the racetrack. So how so how do you prep for, you know, you know, like okay for this weekend you got the late model, you know, then of course you know then you got Slinger, which is a it's different because it's a race. It's not on the weekend. It's a Tuesday night race. And then, like you said, you know, then you got to get Jacob and um, and John Moore ready. And then you got to get yourself ready for the summer showdown, which is I know that's one race that you you just really really want to win that one. And then they get ready to work with Carlos Vieira again. You know, right, right. Now, the, I feel like the last ten years at Camel Motorsports, it's just we've been we've become really fortunate to be well prepared, right? Mike Keen taught me a lot in the shop, and for us to do what we do and prepping stuff and getting ready ahead of time, you know, like. They're the, the trying to always trying to avoid the thrash, right? It seems like race, racers are always in a hurry or last minute or things aren't quite right, so you're thrashing things through. So we try to avoid that. We've been working, been working with, like I said, Marcus Richardson for the last few months, putting this all together, and that's in his equipment, right, with a 43 on it, but that's in his stuff there in Virginia. And then when we go to uh, Slinger, you know, we have Steve Apel, and he's like two miles from the track, right? So we're, we're driving one of his cars with all of our stuff, you know, Mike Keen and myself and Steve. We've been in talks the last, you know, four or five months for the Slinger National. So, like, we've, the ball's been rolling on a lot of things um, prior to this to make it to be prepared. You know, and there's some balls, there's some pieces of the puzzle that got to fall together, right? You always have equipment or you always got your, you know, the, the logistics part of it, getting your, your crew, keeping your crew healthy, the flights, the hotel rooms, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, fortunately, you just got to take it like anything else. You got to take it one race at a time. Hopefully everything goes smooth. You know, and you just got to kind of roll with the punches, per se, and hopefully everything's going well for you, and then you can, you know, have good finishes or good results on top of it, because obviously when you have sponsors like we do, it's, it's this is a performance-based industry, so you want to make sure you represent them to the best of your ability as well. So from a driver's perspective, you're going, you know, you're going to a couple different um, um, crew chiefs and a couple different programs, you know, within this month of July, you know, before, you know, you get back to, you know, like what you used to with the Campbell with the Cowboy Motorsports deal, so how 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 does how does that work out in, in this in the equation of, of of what Derek does behind the wheel? Um, well, all the races will be the same. You know, it's still Mike Keen and myself. Um, the only race, the only race that won't be the uh, Virginia coming up. But um, you know, we try to keep try to keep that intact. So I think a lot of what's special about our success has been Mike and Vicky Keen, my relationship, Byron and Carol Campbell. Like it's just a big piece of the puzzle. So like when we're Doing something with Steve Apel, you know, we're still bringing all the Campbell stuff to try to have the best result possible and try to take, you know, somebody else's program and maybe take some of their ideas, take some of our ideas and make it our own. But um, it's one of those things, you just kind of got to roll with the punches. But Mike Keen and myself, we'll be going to all the races. Um, you know, we got Slinger, we got the Summer Showdown in Washington, and we got John Moore and Carlos Beer and Jacob Gomes and those guys that were stocked in the Madeira. But, I'm sure Mike will be tired of me <laughs> by the time July is over. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> you know, and, and actually, I I know we've talked in the past, but the, this Slinger race, I, I I know out of I think out of all of them, that this one is probably has to be closest to the heart because, like you said, you know, you know, you spent a lot of time out in Slinger, you know, you know, racing out in Wisconsin, you know, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, because I lived right there for a bit, you know. And it's, uh, long story short, you know, I moved to Wisconsin in 2006, later 2006, and was back there for a couple of years. And, you know, I actually worked at a shop just down the road from Slinger. I only ever got a chance to run there a couple of times. 
But the people in the Midwest are the, the nicest people I'll ever meet. And the journey I had getting to Wisconsin, the people I met while I was in Wisconsin, all the racing I got to do, it was like a second home, even though I was only there for a couple of years. And I am so looking forward to seeing so many people that I haven't seen in such a long time. You know, and then I, I had to leave. Was I lost my ride. I broke my knee. Um, the economy t- kind of took kind of took a tank, right? So I lost all my sponsorships. So I ended up moving back to Southern California with a job with Junior Joiner, pay the bills, just as a fabricator, not to drive anymore. And ironically, I ended up meeting my wife years later. And the, the same time I moved to in Wisconsin was Fort Atkinson when I when I first moved there. And I met my wife years later, right? Almost five, six, seven years later. And her grandma, who I had met, was born and raised in that same town, right? And this is a small little town in Wisconsin. Wow. I always thought wow. that was a crazy, a crazy huh. turn of events, right? How small the world really is. That is, that is crazy. And with that, Derek, I, I know Sharon has some questions. I'm going to turn it over to Sharon. Well, you, you kind of led into one of my questions uh, because uh, there's two races, first of all, that I'm super excited about on your schedule. And one is Slinger National, and the other one is the Snowball Derby coming up. Um, but first of all, for Slinger National, Sal had mentioned that you lived up in Wisconsin there for a while. And uh, I just was wondering what brought you there. You, you've answered that question to some degree. Right. Well, it started with um, I had some friends of ours that lived in Lake County. Um, they had a son that lived in Wisconsin, and he was really into racing, and I was doing fairly well up in Northern California, but in Northern California, might as well be in a, a bubble, right, or an island. No one really ever recognizes any races or race results from up there until you travel a little bit. And, you know, P51 was a big, you know, it's still a big driving force. Racing America is a big driving force in short track racing as far as getting recognition as a driver, right? And that's you always you want to be recognized, right, for your results and, and what you do and your on-track performance. Well, um, Scott Pfeiffer was his name, and he was living in Wisconsin at the time, and, and he contacted me and was like, hey, you know, I really want to help you try to get into, you know, maybe some bigger races or help you get in with some teams out here. And he went to he went to bat for me and found a couple really good teams and we ended up landing with uh, 5K Motorsports out of Wisconsin. I did a couple races, one-off races in 2006, and we ran really well at the Oktoberfest, which is a big mid- Midwest race. Finished top five first time there, and then went to the All American 400 portion, the pro late portion of the All American 400, ran top five there as well, and led a bunch of laps. And that kind of steamrolled me into getting the deal with 5K Motorsports and Scott Pfeiffer. And he, unfortunately, a couple of years later, had passed away from ALS. And in the meantime, while he was trying to fight for his life and spend time with his family, he was still trying to get me rides and help me in racing and do everything he possibly could. So I know. Deep down, he'll be smiling from up above watching, you know, as we race with internationals. Because I know deep down in his heart, that's all he really ever wanted for me. So it's so cool to, to kind of go back and, and meet, you know, and see his kids and his wife, Denise, and just kind of get reacquainted with so many people that, you know, I haven't seen in over a decade, almost 15 years. Well, I'm excited for you. In addition to the fact that, that uh, we don't get a chance to watch you race up in here in the Midwest. So, uh, right. you know, I'm, I might even try to get up there to Slinger Nationals uh, in order awesome. to see you. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, and then the other thing is the Snowball Derby. I know you've been going to the Snowball Derby for a few years now, and uh, you, you're quite an experienced uh, racer there, but it is a tough, <laughs> tough race, and I know we've talked about it, it before, is. how difficult it is uh, to, to qualify for that race. What are your thoughts you know going is, into it? it this year? 
You know, that's it's. Uh, I've learned to take. It's not as intimidating as it once was. You know, I think this the Derby is in itself is such a hard race to make. You have so many good guys traveling from around the country. Um, we've just been so fortunate to have you know so many good runs there coming from the West Coast. Um, running against guys that race there all year, and we don't necessarily have you know the time to go and race three or four times a year there. So we show cold turkey more or less, you know, and we try to make the most of it. And fortunately, you know, Mike and myself and our entire team, Byron Campbell, we've just had a really good success these last few years with three consecutive poles and the laps we've led. And, but you just got to take it a day at a time. The track changes so much year to year, or even month to month. But, you know, when you show up, you, you unload on Monday and get a little bit of track time, and you really don't know what you have until you unload because – um, you know, everything just shifts so much. So it's just been one of those things where you show up take it day by day or um, and just try to capitalize on the most of each moment, you know. Exactly, exactly. Well, I wish you luck in both of those races. Well, all of your races for that matter, but those are the two that I'm most excited about. So I'll pass the baton back over to uh, Sal. Derek, coming up is the summer showdown. Man, what a what a race it's always been on. It's I know it's always been, you know, marked on your schedule. I know this year you almost didn't make it because of certain things. You know, we're going to go on with the with the pro lay race, but then now you're you know you're back over there again. What are your thoughts right. going into the summer showdown this year? You know, the summer showdown just got more recognition than it did. You know, being up in the the Pacific Northwest, a lot of guys from back east don't make it up there, but. Um, it's 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 amazing from just a financial perspective, like how they put on and what they do and the lengths they go through to, to make sure all the competitors are happy and um, getting everything they need and the monies they put up for the purses and then they got you know they got a pro late portion and then there's bonuses involved now. Like if you finish in the top three of the pro late and you go to the back of the super, like there's an additional ten grand up for grabs and there's an additional like ten or fifteen up for grabs if you go to the back and win both. And it's just cool to see promoters putting that kind of energy and emphasis into a into an event and you know it, it draws us for sure because we have both a pro and a super and it's a good fit for us so um always look forward to it but it's track it's always been snake fit there every time we go we've always run well run up front or run towards the front but it's always a flat tire or a broken arm last year just those little things that have always taken us out of it so it's <laughs> just like sharon was asking about the derby i i take the derby a day at a time I take that place a day at a time because the minute you think you got it figured out, it always seems to knock you back down to reality. Well, you know what? Well, hopefully, hopefully the summer showdown ends up like the way Erndale was, was for a while. Because I know for a while you had the same thing. You had the same love-hate relationship with Erndale Speedway until you finally got your, <laughs> your win there. And then once, once you got right. your win there, then it was all over. But, I mean, it was like, you know what? Who cares about Rip Michaels and Nick Joe and Tim Huddleston? Now, now it's Derek Thorne's track. Right. No, I appreciate that. It's been a good run. Like we talked earlier in the show, it's, just, it's always like I'm beating a dead horse, but I just can't tell everybody how lucky you know I am to have the opportunities I've had with Byron and Carol Campbell and the team they've produced and Mike and Vicky Keene and what they've done these last you know, 12, 13 years to keep this program what it is and then to have you know Fury Race Cars and all of our partners and everybody involved that makes this program. There's so many people and so many little things that goes on to make this what it is and it's just you just got to be surrounded by good people, right? It's no different in business. You got to surround yourself with great people, and I've been super fortunate to be to be surrounded by a lot of great ones. Yeah, you know what I gotta say that you have really been blessed, you know, with the you know with the team that, like you say, you know, like that Carolyn and uh, and Byron have put together. Um, I don't, I know, talking with the other, I I don't know if if we'll ever see this kind of domination from a from a 
from a super late model team again. Not only that, but but you know, of course, you know, it's it's the driver back there. Of course, Mike Keane, all the all the work he has put in the in the shop during the week, you know, so this way you can get to the track, you know, and just be ready, you know, to you know make your adjustments. But I mean, did the domination that you guys have have had in the last ten years? It's between all of you, it's just amazing. And I don't know, like I said, if we'll ever see anything like that, you know, in the near future. Right. And with that, right. No, go ahead. Tough to beat. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon again. Okay. Well, Derek, uh, thank you so much for being on the show again here tonight. We know you're a busy, busy guy. And uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your uh, schedule to be here on the show. Um, Before you go, let's make sure fans know how they can follow you and uh, everything that's going on in your life. Uh, yeah, so DerekSorn.com is probably the best way to go on and just see the updated schedule. Um, we've been adding races and had to move some things around this year, but that's probably the best place to go. And then uh, on Twitter, you got Derek Thorn 6 and it's the same on Facebook. My social media, I give myself a B minus, maybe a C plus occasionally. Um, but as always, I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, we couldn't do it without you guys, and what you do for short track racing is a blessing, you know. So thank you guys for having me on, as always, and help me come on and Hey, thanks to my sponsors and team and let everybody out there know what's going on. Well, and, and uh, Derek, uh, we appreciate you uh, being on our show as well. You're one of the ones who have been with us probably from the very beginning when we first started this <laughs> show back in 2011. Right. So, uh, Time flies uh, by, too. Really, yeah, it has. It really has. So. Uh, uh, we really appreciate all that you do, and we love watching you out on the racetrack. So we um, wish you the best, and uh, good luck on your race out Thank in you. South Boston this weekend. What yeah, time is that appreciate race? Appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see you in Slinger. Yes, I would lo- I'm, I'm planning to go. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Sal. All right, thanks, Derek, and, and uh, best of luck, and uh, I'll, I'll be on Flow TV uh, rooting you on. Oh, as a matter of fact, me and Daryl are having a watch party for the slinger over here at my house <laughs> next Tuesday night. So Daryl's right. coming over. Daryl, so always, you, he always brings the fun. Oh, man. Um, yeah. All right, guys. That Appreciate night's gonna be like It's going to be crazy. Sounds like fun. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Derek. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good night. Okay. And good night now. All right, that was Derek Thorne, uh, driver of the number 43 in the uh, SRL Southwest Touring Series. Uh, But as you can see, normally he drives for Campbell Motorsports, uh, but uh, he's sharing some time with Appel uh, uh, Motorsports as well. And I'll tell you what, it's uh, amazing the schedule that he's got for the month of July. Uh, But it's going to be so much fun watching him as he goes to all these different venues, and I know he's going to do well. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how it can be done. I mean, it's amazing uh, traveling <laughs> to South Boston, and then then to Wisconsin, and then in between that, you know, well, getting ready for Wisconsin, then, and then, um, you know, then we got our Stockton SRL race, you know, then back out to Washington, and then back to Madeira with Carlos Vieira. You know, having having to prep the cars because they have they prep two cars for the SRL race that's you know that's coming up, which is Carlos, which is uh, not Carlos, it's it's um, John Moore and um, Jacob Gomes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. We've then, only um, got 10 minutes to do the Xfinity. Okay. Well, let's get to the Xfinity then. Yeah, we've really got to kind of move on. I hate to interrupt you like that, but um, yeah, we've only got right. 10 minutes and now only 8 minutes. Uh, the Nashville Super Speedway second annual Tennessee Lottery 250 was held this last Saturday, and the winner was Justin Algauer at the age of 36 driving the number seven Hellman Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports and his crew chief this weekend and uh, for the year has been Jason Burdett. He won the second annual Tennessee Lottery 250, his 18th victory in 387 Xfinity Series races. It was his second victory, his 10th top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and fifth top 10 finish in eight races at Nashville. Trevor Bain came in second place, posting his third top 10 finish in six races at Nashville Super Speedway. It's his fourth top 10 finish this year as well. Riley Erbst had a great run, finishing third, posting his second top 10 finish in two races at Nashville Super Speedway. Austin Hill finished eighth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Justin Algauer actually cruised to victory at Nashville on a blindingly hot day at Nashville Super Speedway. Justin Algauer fulfilled a dream uh, in one of his best race cars that he's ever had, and he did it in dominating fashion. He won the Xfinity Series race at Nashville, leading 134 of 188 laps. Again, it's his second win of the season and the first time in the Xfinity Series regular swept all three stages of the race since Chase Briscoe did so in 2020 at Kansas Speedway. He came back, coming back from a late race penalty, Trevor Bain finished in second, uh, pole sitter Riley Earps took the checkered flag in third, with Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer rounding out the top five. Ryan Priest, who won the truck race the night before, finished sixth, Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, seventh, uh, he came back from a spin uh, for his finish of seventh. Austin Hill in eighth, the highest finishing rookie. Ryan Sieg finished ninth. And Brett Moffitt rounded out the top ten. Again, Algar run both stages, giving him five stage wins on the season, and he ranked second in the series. There are 13 lead changes among five drivers, five cautions for 27 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race, 119.319 miles per hour. It was a very hot day in Nashville. A lot of these drivers had uh, to get uh, hydrated and uh, kind of refreshed after that race. Uh, the margin of victory, by the way, was 4.513 seconds. So when we say he cruised to the victory, he really did. Your thoughts about the top ten here? So. Yeah, it was a it was a great race. I mean, he really put on a, a great show, you know, and he deserved it. Like you said, this is the second his second uh, Nashville win, and um, you know, he just he dominated, and you know, you felt bad for the eight or ten drivers that had to go to the infield care center after for fluids. You know, even when mm-hmm. um, AJ Allmendinger got out, they poured ice and ice and, and water on his feet to cool him off. But you know, um, you know, we've seen a lot of drivers, you know, that had to get treated but other than that um gosh what a what a huge um victory it was for um for justin algar yeah just to be clear it was his first victory at nashville but his second victory this year he won earlier this year as well so um 
uh, it's the second victory this year. Uh, as far as mechanical issues, uh, Josh Williams on 136 had an electric, lap 136 had an electrical issue. Kyle Weatherman had a power issue on lap 118. And uh, three drivers had accidents. Uh, Jim Burton on lap 126, uh, Sheldon Creed on lap 124, and Joe Graff Jr. on lap 123. So real close together, those three uh, accidents uh, in pretty close succession. So those are the only drivers that did not finish the race. Yes, it was. It was a really good um a uh, really good uh I'm trying to look for the for the for this uh points while you're talking because JC oh, okay. doesn't have it. Parker Retlaff, another uh Midwest driver here. Uh he came home with another twelfth place finish. I've been really impressed with him. Yes, he has. Um he's uh he's uh the um Rev racing driver. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he's not yeah. just a racing driver. He drives for, uh, I think, Rick Jones Racing, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong about that. But he's uh, he's a Wisconsin driver who has just been doing so well. Uh, and we have, we've seen him in a few Arkham and Art Series races, uh, but he's coming right into the Xfinity, and, and he's had some really great runs. Yeah, he has Jeffrey also. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, Jeffrey Earnhardt finishing in seventh, and then like you said, Riley Herbst, you know, getting the top three, you know, finally, you know, yes. finally, you know, um, you know, uh, finally breaking that top five, um, that top five uh, um, barrier, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Ty Gibbs right behind him, but um, you know, Trevor Bain. I uh, thought he would have a better little... second half of this season. Who, Riley? Mm-hmm. Or Trevor. Riley. Riley, yeah, he, he is. And then Austin Hill, gosh, another eighth place, another top ten finish for, for Austin Hill. He's mm-hmm. really, uh, he's 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 really smoking that um, uh, what do you call them, uh, rookie of the year standings. He is. He is. Uh, he's he's really uh, done quite well this year, and. Uh, Let's go ahead and cover the points reports because we're going to run out of time here. Okay, so the points we have: uh, AJ Allmendinger leading the points. We got Ty Gibbs in second, Justin Allgaier third, Noah Gregson in fourth, Josh Berry in fifth, and Sam Mayer uh, rounds out the the top six. Um, and then from there, then we go down to Brandon Jones, Austin Hill, Riley Herbst, Daniel Hamrick, Landon Castle, and Ryan Sieg is still holding on to that coveted. Uh, number twelve spot. Oh, that's uh, that's all really on the good. on the bubble. Oh, yeah, um, we're going to have to move on, Sal. Uh, our next guest is here, and uh, he's one of our regulars that has been visiting with us throughout the season. And I hope we continue to do that. Uh, he is Christian Rose, a driver of the number forty-two in the Arkham Menard series, and he's actually been driving in all three series this season for uh, Cook Racing Technologies, and uh, we're real happy to have you on board tonight, uh, Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me back on. I I really appreciate you all uh, extending the invite. Okay. Well, 
we are uh, definitely looking forward to talking to you here tonight. And um, uh, Christian, I know that um, uh, you have been racing in the ARCA East uh, as well as the ARCA West. Your next race isn't until August the 28th for the ARCA East series. So that's a little bit of a uh, stretch there. Uh, but in the Arkham Menard series, um, your next race is coming up at Pocono. Talk about yeah, how I'm, you're excited for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the challenge at Pocono. Uh, you know, the cool thing about uh, going up to Pocono is we get a test day. So it allow us or allow myself that's never turned a lap around that racetrack to go up there and, and get comfortable. Uh, for the majority of an afternoon and then roll into practice qualifying and racing like a normal weekend. So uh, it's the first like opportunity we'll have to do that outside of Daytona. And it's been about six months since we've got to do that and made me very comfortable at a place like Daytona. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to Irwindale this weekend first, and then we're going to turn our focus to Pocono. But I think the the biggest factor uh, for Pocono is getting that test day and, and just getting comfortable around that place. Yeah, Chaz uh, from the West Coast out there, he's going to talk to you a little bit more about that Irwindale race. Uh, so I'm going to focus on the Arkham and Archers and the Arca East. Okay. Um, uh, how, how difficult is it? I know you've got a couple of races here with the West and the Arkham and Art series uh, before you race again in the Arca East. Uh, but what does that do to you to have to wait so long for that next race in the Arca East? Um, I mean, it's, it, I wouldn't say it, it's too different than racing on the West Coast or, or uh, in the Premier Series. I think the biggest factor is the competition. I think the competition gap in the, in the West is a little easier uh, or a little closer. I would make easier is not the right word. I say a little closer where everybody can uh, contend a little bit better. Uh, it's hard to keep up with that 17 and 18 in the East, but uh, going out West, we race at 17 a lot, so. Uh, you see a good amount of guys from the East Series and the West Series in certain races. Uh, so we're really racing the same guys. But uh, for the point standpoint, it kind of takes you a little while to get back going and, and focused in on the points because we're, I think we're sitting six right now. And uh, we, we have to yes. at least run fourth. And that's what we're trying to do is, is get back in that points battle because we didn't go to Iowa. Um, and that kind of knocked us back out of the top five. But I think if everything goes the way we want them to at Milwaukee and Bristol, I think those are going to give us an opportunity to jump back up there in the top five of the points. And it wouldn't be right for us not to mention the West Virginia Tourism, uh, a big sponsor of your place uh, that rides with you, whether you're in the East or West. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia, without those guys, I mean, we don't get to do this, so. It uh, gives us a great avenue and uh, an opportunity to promote West Virginia. We, we continue to thank uh, everybody that helped us get that done and Governor Jim Justice and, and believing in the fact that, you know, this is a great way to bring people to the state. Our, our tourism numbers are higher than they've ever been in the state. Uh, I'd I like to think tra- traveling all over the country and promoting our state is doing a good part in helping that. Um, and we're encouraging people all the time to come check us out. I mean, we're, we want to become one of the nation's top destinations, and I believe we are starting to become that. We have the newest national park in all the country. Uh, we have hiking, fishing, uh, casinos, resorts, anything you can imagine our state offers it. So we're trying to bring as many people and turn people's eyes to wanting a vacation in our beautiful state. Okay. You did hear part of my question then, right? Somehow I got disconnected. 
Oh, you're fine. What was the, what was the question? Oh, the question was uh, mentioned. I wanted to make sure we mentioned your your sponsor, uh, West Virginia Tourism. Yes, yes. I, I I was saying that you know without those guys we don't get to do this. So having West Virginia on board is uh, just an amazing opportunity, and, and can't thank Governor Jim Justice and, and everybody enough that uh, Blaze is a good avenue for us to bring people to the state, and that's what we're trying to do. West Virginia Tourism allows us to drive race cars and allows us to promote our, our beautiful state. So. Uh, our tourism numbers are higher than they've ever been, and the more people we, we have coming in, the better. So that's I like to think our uh, touch on putting it in the NASCAR world and getting people to see tourism anywhere we've gone this year has been a big help. Absolutely. I th- and I still think you have one of the best-looking cars on the track. Um, well, we Sal, appreciate that. I know Thank you. you. Wanna... You're welcome. Sal, I know you, wanna, uh, you have some questions for uh, Christian as well. Yeah. First of all, Christian, um, uh, thanks for coming back on the show again. I know it's been a, a you know minute since we've had you on, so uh, I just want to welcome you back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much again. I mean, I, I love doing this, and I love talking to you guys, so any chance we get the opportunity to, we'll be back. You know what, and I have to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on the upcoming race out here at Oregon, you know, this weekend with the um, with Ark of Anard's, uh West Series? Yeah, it's one that I've had circle for a while. Uh, for some reason, we, we've run really well on the West Coast, and it seems like our team really clicks on the West Coast. Uh, the last couple of races out there uh, in Sonoma and Portland, our team cars uh, in the 17, uh, with Connor Mozak and uh, Landon Lewis have run very well, had chances to win both those races. And, and then Landon has won a race already this year out in, on the West Coast with uh, Cook Racing. So, I believe going out there, uh, it's going to give us the best shot, I think, this season to go fight for a top five and a win. And uh, I think my teammate, Amber Slagle, both of us are going to be pretty quick, uh, I think, if we were able to dial it in pretty quick out there. Oh, so actually you have um, um, Amber as your uh, teammate this for this race, right? Yes, that's correct. We're, uh, Amber will be in the 17 and I'll be in the 42. Yeah, because over at Kern it was vice versa. It was um, – it was landed in the 42 and, and Amber was in the 17. But either way, you know what? You're in a very good car and, and especially coming out here to Orndale for the half mile. Um, that, that, that team has really had a lot of success out here throughout the years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been successful on the West side and that, that's what we're uh, excited. And that's why we've had, I personally had it circled and, and Irwindale seems like a place where we're going to, I think our team can click. Amber qualified fourth out there last year and, and she was pretty quick in practice. So, I think it's a place that our team has their hands around a little bit, and if everything goes our way, I, I think you'll see her and I both up there fighting in the top five. Have you done any sim racing, you know, as far as, you know, to try and prepare, you know, for the for the, for our half mile out here? Uh, yeah, so we're going to be getting on a simulator tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be wearing the thing out. Um, tried to go back and watch a lot of previous races throughout <laughs> the past seasons and, and just try to – gather as much from watching film. I think I'm much more of a visual learner. Um, I think the sim kind of helps me at times, but uh, going back and watching film tends to help me a little better prepare for races. So before racing, you know, you, 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 uh, you play college ball. What's, wh- how do you, what's the difference in, in prepping for a baseball game as compared to prepping for an auto race? Uh, to be honest, they're pretty similar. Uh, I try to keep my gym routine in the, in the, cardio and everything we do to prepare for a race the same as what I did in college I, I still talk to my college coaches a lot and they, they keep me programs and keep me in shape uh and honestly from the mental aspect like that you know you're always 
trying to scout the other team and scout, you know, as a pitcher, who who's probably tough, the most tough in that lineup and who you're going to have to battle and face. And uh, as a race, I mean, you're kind of preparing the same way. You you know, you know who's going to be fast. And then you're always watching the film and everything, trying to learn as much as you can from that racetrack and as much as you hear other drivers talk about it and, and how the track tends to go, uh, whether it tightens up, loosens up, or uh, how the bottom groove comes in or the top groove, especially at a place like Gerwindale where you can see the top and the bottom and the middle all kind of work their way in there. So uh, those are they're actually pretty similar from uh, a baseball game to a race on how you actually prepare. So what was it that made you decided to to do the racing and not and not stay with the with the baseball? Yeah, I think my uh, I think my arm was kind of done in baseball. I think it kind of my body was telling me it's time to time to hang it up. But I grew up a huge race fan, and and long story short, I snuck in the garage at a very young age and and got the opportunity to meet BJ McLeod and uh, those guys gave me an opportunity to come out and test a race car, and it was kind of a situation where we thought it would be, you know, come out you know, you'll get a suit, a helmet, we'll, you know, you'll have it for an office one day, nothing that we would really take, you know, we we thought we'd really go somewhere, and, and uh, they had Matt Tiff testing out there with me at the time, and, and we ended up running a couple laps just not too far off Matt's time, and he ripped the window net down, and, and we're like, we're, we're going racing, so uh, sneaking in the garage here at Daytona at, at 12, 12 years old is really what uh, started this a long, long time ago for me, we just got the opportunity to start doing it about three years ago when baseball ended. Wow, that's neat. So I, I I imagine that you're still throwing the ball back and forth because you do have a few uh, a few uh, uh, games you're going to be throwing out the first pitch at, right? Yeah. So uh, I I haven't started warming up yet, and and I know when we get through Irwindale, I probably got to start throwing it around a little bit because uh, we get to throw the first pitch out for the Cincinnati Reds uh, July 25th, and then we have the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're throwing the first pitch out as well um, October 3rd. So very honored, very very cool uh, deal for me as a former baseball player and somebody who got to play baseball for 20 years of his life to uh, reach the major leagues, I guess, in a different aspect. Uh, I guess that's the best way to look at it. I still got to the MLB field just in a different way than I, I had envisioned it as a kid. Wow. That, that's pretty neat. You know, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's a huge honor. A lot of people don't realize, you know, to throw out the pitch at a, throw out the first pitch at a ball game, you know, especially, you know, for the majors, you know, because I usually see movie stars out there, you know, big, you know, big time guys out there, you know, and here's, you know, they're, you know, it, it's neat to see a race car driver get out there, you know, get that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really an honor. Uh, I can't thank both organizations enough that, that are allowing me that opportunity. Uh, it, it's, I'm just hoping I'm not going to be one of those guys that ends up like 50 cents throwing the ball 50 yards. Up the, <laughs> up the fence. It's been a while since I've thrown it. So uh, that's the goal is just not to end up on sports center. Yeah, You're going to be much better than that. Happen. Yeah, oh, I, I agree with Sharon. I don't know how many times I've been at Dodger Stadium and, and the catcher just looks and says, I'm not even going to get the ball. You know how they give the ball back to the to the yeah. whoever's throwing yep. the pitch out. A lot, of, a lot of times they just leave it and say, you know, we'll we'll grab it when he walks in. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, that's one of those opportunities where, you know, I think we'll be fine. But uh, that's the number one goal is just throw it down, try to get a strike, and, and not end up on SportsCenter. There you go. Well, Christian, you know, I just want to uh, wish you luck this weekend at Erndale. Unfortunately, this is – I'm the track photographer there. This is one race I'm not going to be there. We already had plans to uh, go out of town for 4th of July. I'd be there be able to root you on and, and uh, get some good photos of you. But, anyways, good luck and, and enjoy yourself out there. The hospitality at the track is going to be awesome. And, and if you get a chance, hang around and watch the Night of Destruction. I'll tell you, if you want to see some crash them up, 
some really good uh, trailer racing. They're, they're going to tear up some stuff, and um, I'll tell you, it, it's worth it to hang around and watch. Yeah, I think we've already talked about that's our plan after the race, kind of hang around there. But thank you so much for uh, wishing me luck. And I will say uh, ever since I've kind of watched the races and see the kind of show Irwindale puts on, they pack the crowd in. They they do a great job with that facility. So I'm I'm excited to get out there and and, uh, get on track and put a show on for the fans. Yeah, well, it's sold out. They've only had a few more seats left. So you'll have a sold-out crowd, and hopefully everyone will be rooting you on. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sherry. Absolutely. Very cool, and thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. I'm going to kind of bring it back to racing here, too. With um, going into the second half of this season, uh, is there anything that you've learned from the first half of this season that's going to help you going into the second half uh, on your results? Yeah, I mean, I've learned a ton. I've made mistakes, and there's no no hiding. I've had a few... Uh, shifting problems and, and I've tore a few transmissions up and, and I own that and, and that's one of the things that uh, we're trying to fix and then uh, learning uh, trying to luck, like get some luck on our side we had a wheel weight bounce through our uh, nose and our radiator at, at Charlotte that blew our motor up so uh, trying mm-hmm. I, I think we've learned how to navigate the shifting issue and then we we figure it out and then we, we blow a motor and everything with a little tiny wheel weight so uh, I think luck but I mean putting the time in, everything that we've been doing in the shop, the guys that stuck with me, and, and uh, we've had the speed. We, we've been a top-five car at a lot of these places, Nashville, Pensacola, New Smyrna. We've had top-five speed, and, and it's just been frustrating not really to get the results, and, it, and it's part of learning and part of gaining experience as a race car driver uh, that doesn't have that many races under his belt. But uh, I think that, those little mistakes, if we can fix those, I think we're going to actually turn some heads towards the end of the season. Yeah, I've, I've kind of got that feeling too, Christian. I think that uh, it's always a little bit better in the second half of the season after you've kind of already visited some of these tracks and um, uh, you've got a chance now to come back and and uh, show what you can really do on the track. And you know what? Those kind of mistakes that you're talking about are things that happen uh, when you're new. So it's just all part of the learning curve. But uh, we're looking forward to watching you race uh, this weekend out at Irwindale. And then uh, the following weekend, you're going to be, well, actually, it'll be a couple weeks. You'll be out at Pocono uh, in July and uh, and, uh, the Arca East race in August. So uh, we'll be looking forward to all of those races. And uh, this is your chance to do any shout-outs that you want to do before we say goodnight. Yeah, I mean, thank you. first of all, shout out to you guys. Thank you for having me on and, and let me tell my story. Anybody that allows me to do that, I'm very appreciative of it. Um, as you talked about the mistakes, we're young. We kind of, you know, we knew that was going to be a thing this year. We knew we we're going to have things to learn, and, and you know, it's, it's how you handle them and how you come or overcome them going forward. So, looking forward to turning those pages and going forward. But uh, West Virginia tourism and, and everything that uh, we're, if you get a chance, come check our state out. We have a lot to offer: fishing, hunting. Uh, off-roading, biking, casinos, you name it, we got it, and we want you. So uh, we want you to come check us out and spend a night or two with us, if not more. Uh, Freedom Fighters Outdoors, uh, everybody down there uh, out of Florida that helps us out, and and, uh, all the partners, Mountaineer, Meat Smokers, HD Void, uh, everybody out there that allows us to come to the racetrack. And and then, of course, Bruce Cook and all the guys who give me an opportunity to drive their race cars. I'm I'm a very lucky, uh, blessed person to have these opportunities. So thank you, guys. 
Yeah, well, yes, indeed. We're, it's always a pleasure to have you on, Christian. We'll always look forward to come back and uh, we get a chance to catch up with you. Uh, again, uh, good luck uh, on these upcoming races and uh, thanks for taking the time to be here. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy your 4th of July weekend and uh, have some fun watching the races. <laughs> Okie doke. Will do. Uh, be safe out there. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Uh, that was a great conversation that we were having here with uh, Christian Rose, driver of the number 42 in the Arkham Menard Series for Cook Racing Technologies, sixth in the uh, series driver points uh, right now in the Arca East, and looking forward, it sounds like, to his uh, second half of the season now. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, he's looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be good. He's going to love Irondale. I'll tell you that. He's going to like the the fact that they're going to be the first race out, and then um, and then they get to you know enjoy the rest of the evening instead of it being the last race. It's it, it's hard when it's the last race because you know you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. But because of the night of destruction, they always run the Arca West first, so they'll they'll be racing basically. They'll be racing in the light. They'll be racing under the under the lights. They'll be in the you know during the you know, just as it's going to start to get dark, so it, he's he's going to love it. I think I think he's with that team. Um, that's a team that David Mayhew used to run, and and uh, they were always strong. He's he's going to have a really good run. I have he's got a really good shot at a win. Okay, so we'll look forward to that for sure. Okay, we're going to go ahead now and move on to the review of our NASCAR Cup Series race out at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, the race winner was Chase Elliott at the age of 26, driving the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports with his crew chief, Alan Gustafson. Uh, it was his 15th victory in 238 Cup Series races, his second victory in the 11th top 10 finish, 11th top 10 finish in 2022. Uh, it was also his first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Nashville Super Speedway. Kurt Busch finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in two races at Nashville and his seventh top 10 finish this year. Ryan Blaney finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in two races at Nashville. Austin Sendrick finished seventh. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And um, uh, this race, uh, Chase Elliott really charged to the NASCAR Cup Series victory at Nashville Super Speedway in a race that was twice delayed by lightning. Chase Elliott stole the thunder from a contingent of Toyota drivers who showed early dominance, but after a late caution slowed the action in Sunday's Ally 400, Elliott remained on the track and led the field to a restart with four laps left in the, at Nashville. Elliott pulled away from runner-up Kurt Busch and powered his number nine Hendrick Motorsport Chevrolet across the finish line with a margin of .555, I'm sorry, 5.51 seconds. Um, this win, again, was the second of the year, the first at Nashville Super Speedway, and the 15th of his career. Kurt Busch finished second, followed by Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, the pole winner, Denny Hamlin, Austin Sendrick, 
uh, Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, and Kevin Harvick. Elliott took the lead from Kyle Busch with 38 laps remaining and overcame a late caution to hold off, hold on for the win. The race was delayed an hour during the first stage due to lightning in the area. Then it was delayed again by more than two hours, just 11 laps before the halfway point because of rain and lightning. Stage one and two were run by uh, Martin Truex Jr. There were 18 lead changes among seven drivers, 10 cautions for 57 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 111.22 miles per hour. Your thoughts, Sal, about our top 10 finishers? Yeah, it was, uh, I'll tell you, it was one heck of a race. Um, that, that last pits when that last caution, don't expect that last caution to come out, I don't think. And Chase was so far ahead anyways, and, you know, Kyle Busch took the chance, you know, and came in, you know, to get tires, you know, hopefully he didn't catch him. But then he got caught up in that melee, got kind of pushed back. Joey Logano kind of held back the, the crowd. I would have really liked to see if Kyle could, could have gotten around everybody and gotten up there and maybe challenged Chase for the win. Great win for um, – Yeah, it was for, a uh, strategy. It was the pit yeah, strategy and, uh, for both uh, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, that kind of took them out of contention. Yeah, but I, 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 I think had Kyle been able to get around, I really think that Kyle would have been able to catch him. He had enough time to catch him. But um, mm-hmm. like I said, Joey Logano held back like six drivers. But either way, and uh, you know what? I don't care what anyone says about Kurt Busch. you got to take your hats off to him. He went up there and he congratulated Chase on the win, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, that showed a lot of maturity, you know, and it showed a lot, you know, from Kurt Busch because Kurt ain't usually one that congratulates anybody for a win, you know, and and especially congrats to Chase Elliott, you know, on the win. He needed it, and gosh, mm-hmm. after the domination from from uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, for him to, you know, break through, you know, and uh, and uh, what was the highest Joe Gibbs Racing driver to finish was, what, six, Danny Hamlet. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. Only one driver, um, Josh Balicki, uh, had an engine issue that took him out of the race at lap 285. Um, but uh, also Alex Bowman uh, didn't meet the uh, – he had a uh, damaged vehicle policy. Uh, he, he did not meet the damaged vehicle policy uh, time limits. Uh, to get his car back into action, and uh, he was out of the race at lap 49. Unfortunately, he was my pick for this weekend. So uh, <laughs> you know, you, I ended you, up. You know with, what? You, you jinxed him. What? You know why? Because for the longest time, you didn't know what DVP meant until I told you the last time that it meant you know damage. Um, well, you didn't know what policy. it was either. You didn't I know, know what it was either. I told you. I know, and then I looked it up, and I told you, and then now you used it. But see, the racing gods knew you were going to use it tonight, so they used it against oh, you on Sunday. <laughs> You're so bad. You're but, so bad. No, I know. But okay, yeah, um, I, I. It was awful. Go ahead with your thoughts. I was bowling to finish. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So he's just back to the back to the top ten again. Austin Cedric, you know, with the seventh place finish. <clears throat> highest finishing rookie and um you know he's uh you know still getting it done but Kevin Harvick you know with the top 10 I know they talked a lot about Kevin Harvick you know during the race 
you know, and, um, you know, his winless streak, you know, and, but I mean, mm-hmm. Kevin is still, uh, he's still a, a fierce competitor, you know what? And then of course, Martin Truex Jr. finally putting to rest, you know, what's going to happen with the next season, you know, by making that announcement, you know, he's going to be coming back to yeah. Tokyo's racing, you know, uh, you know, that they had, they had, they had a, they had to squash that because it was just, it was just, I'm sure it was a distraction to the team. But I mean, the fans were just, they were playing havoc with that. And it was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I'm glad they put it to us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy that he's coming back and uh, we'll look forward to watching him race uh, uh, through the rest of this year and into next year. So uh, he hasn't forgotten how to drive, Uh, but these guys are starting to get a handle on this uh, next gen vehicle and, uh, you know, their their wins are coming, I have no doubt. In fact, I'm going to pick Martin Truex Jr. for this weekend out at Road America. There you go. Make that pick early. So, make everybody sweat the rest of the week. <laughs> you hear that, Jay? She's going to make you sweat the rest of the week. <laughs> oh, he knows already. <laughs> anyway, um uh, uh, it's been a pleasure doing the show with you here tonight, Sal. Uh, wow, we've we got do a the little points? bit of time left. Yeah, we haven't even done the, the points, points yet. I, I wondered what <laughs> yeah. happened here. How come we have so much time left? Okay, so let's do okay. the points, the driver points okay. for the Ally 400. All right. All right, so now we got we got Chase Elliott leading the points with uh, his second win. Ross Chastain in second. Wow, still uh, – Hanging in there, Ryan Blaney in third, mm-hmm. Kyle Busch in fourth, Joey Logano in fifth, Kyle Larson in sixth, Martin Truex Jr. seventh, and Christopher Bell still holding on to that strong spot in the eighth position. Um, and then from there, then we go down to William Byron, who has two wins for uh, Hendrick Motorsports, Alex Bowman tenth, who has a win for Hendrick Motorsports, Kevin Harvick um, sitting in eleventh, Eric Almarola sitting in twelfth. Tyler Reddick in 13th, Austin Dillon in 14th, Kurt Busch in 15th with the win. He's locked in. And Eric Jones in the, in the catbird seat. But then we got Austin Sidrick and um, Chase Briscoe and Daniel okay. Suarez who all have wins. So basically and that's Danny putting Hamlin. Kevin Harvick. Oh, and Danny Hamlin. Yeah, driving. so that puts Kevin. Yeah, so that's putting on um, one, two, three, four. That puts Eric Almarillo on the on the bubble. He's below the cut line. So, yeah. uh, or no, you're right. He's on top of the cut line because it yeah, displaces yeah. Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, and Tyler Reddick. They're all below the cut line right now, and Eric Almarola is uh, the last driver uh, on the uh, cut line uh, in the top 16. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting. I don't think it's been this way for quite a long time in this uh, playoff format where we've seen drivers below the cut line uh, with wins and eligible for the playoffs. Yeah, you know, they're really making it. This car has really made it an uh, interesting season so far this year. Um, then, uh, who was it, uh Chris Boucher, he's losing his crew chief for four races after he lost the tire um, yep. during during one of the pit stops. You know they 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 talked about that. You know, you know that rule and and, the, and NASCAR said this is the reason we put it in because that tire that got loose, you know, on the middle of the track, you know, it was you know it's it's not a good thing for anybody involved. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I wish they'd do something more, though, because um, they talked about this weekend how uh, Kyle Kyle uh, Larson's crew chief is, is sitting in the uh, race center at Hendrick Motorsports and pretty much calling the shots from the race center. Uh, even though he's been suspended, he's still eligible. He's still able to communicate with the team. And, you know, it, it kind of isn't really a penalty in my mind. You know, what I think they should do is have the crew chief come to the – either way they're going to come to the track. But I think what they should do mm-hmm. is have the crew chief come to the track and they have to sit, in the, like, in a suite and, all the, and with no phone or no nothing. They have to sit there and watch the race. You know, this way they can make sure that they're not they're not they're not doing anything. Kind of like putting them in a NASCAR jail, per se. Like a penalty you know, but, box. You know, <laughs> yeah, like in a penalty box. You know, you know, putting them up there, you know, for the whole race and tell them, hey, you know what? You know, this is part of the thing. You know, you have to sit here. You know, you were going to be at the track anyways if you weren't suspended, but you know what? You're going to have to sit up here. You know, with uh, you know, with uh, you know, in NASCAR in the NASCAR suite. You know, you can sit mm-hmm. here and enjoy the race, you know, talk with everybody, you know, have some mixed drinks, eat some hot dogs, whatever it may be, eat some <laughs> popcorn. But you know what? You're, you're not allowed a phone, and you're not allowed nothing, and you have to sit there and watch and watch the race. You can't have a computer. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree and, with and, that. And, and, and you know what? And no computer. Yep. yep. Because well, Chad can help you. I know. I know. It's To me, it's not a penalty. Uh, but we're coming nope. up, at, we're at the 10 o'clock hour. It's time for, it's the bewitching hour. So it's time All for right. our NASA <laughs> Hot Topics sound off. So uh, uh, I know you're going to have a uh, 4th of July holiday here, and uh, I want to wish you the best. Stay safe, and we'll look forward to uh, uh, seeing you when you come back. I know you're not going to be on the show on Tuesday the 5th. Jay's going to fill in for you. So I guess it's going to be uh a, a couple of weeks before we hear back from you. Yeah, it'll be a couple of weeks. Well, one week, and then and then I'll be back the following week. So I'll be I won't be on next week, but then I'll be back the following week. Oh, okay, gotcha. So so, so we'll, we'll, we'll have a yeah, we'll look forward to talking. yeah. All right, you guys all have a safe Fourth uh, of July weekend. Have fun with your show. Um, and uh, all I can say is good luck to all the drivers out there, and uh, good night. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Okay. Take care. All right. It is uh, 10.01, and that means it is uh, past due time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And we have a couple of our FanForation crew members here to uh, uh, kind of liven our conversation here as if it's not already been pretty well livened by Sal. Uh, But joining me now is, uh, first of all, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I just had a, a week off like Sal was talking about, and I feel like I'm so far behind. I mean, so much happens in one week, especially three three races over the weekend there in Nashville. So, yeah, trying to get back into the groove of things. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're glad to have you back. And also joining us for tonight's Hot Topic discussion is none other than Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. We're glad to have you back. 
All right. Uh, now then, uh, let's go ahead and get on to our first hot topic. Uh, Jay, we'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, or should I, I – you know what? I think I'm going to go right into the one that uh, Sal and I were discussing. Uh, and it's not on our, our uh, discussion list, our hot topic discussion list, but it's one that I want to bring up because uh, they talked about it uh, during the uh, show on uh, Saturday, Sunday for the Cup Series race. Cliff Daniels has been suspended for four races, and they were talking about how he was sitting at the race center at Hendrick Motorsports in communication with everybody at the track. And I want to get your guys' thoughts about that. To me, it's not really a penalty, but, uh, uh, Tommy, let's start with you. Let's get your thoughts about that. Uh, doesn't really sound like a, um, a hefty suspension if he's still able to basically just be at the race center and call the shots. But, I mean, um, if, it, if it's not in the rule book that he can't do that, then I'm sure that they can't do anything about it. But um, he definitely would want Good to see. Good NASCAR change that? That they did. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen that, but um, no, I'm saying should they? Uh, should they? Yeah, I think it? so. I think so because I mean, if he's at the race center, he's still basically telling everybody what to do, and I mean, then what's the point of the four race suspension? But then again, you know, the wheels have been falling off all season, so, I mean, I, I feel like the four-race suspension is still a hefty. I mean, it seems to be an ongoing issue, but, you know, I just, um, I'm just, you know, I'm unsure because it doesn't really sound like an additional suspension because if it's not clear in the rule, you know, if, it, if it's not a rule, then that he hasn't done anything wrong. But, I mean, it just doesn't seem right that he can still be basically at the, with the team and calling the shots, even though he's technically not supposed to be there. So uh, that that's my thoughts on that. Okay. Jay, Sal, you heard Sal talk about the penalty box. What are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, well, and we've had this discussion before, and, and we all kind of agree it's no, it's not really a penalty that these guys are able to still communicate and essentially run the team. It may involve a little puppeteering, but that they're still directly running the team. Um, and I'm trying to think what crew chief it was, who that actually was at the track up in an RV on the corner. Um, when NASCAR changed the rule of you physically couldn't be at the track. And I know the idea Sal has kicked, uh, kicked out there of bring them in during the race, whatever, they got to sit in a penalty box or whatever. And that's the only way you're going to verify that they aren't communicating and working with the team during the race is to have a watchful eye on them. Um, and that's an option. I mean, they, they could, I, I don't remember if uh, it was one of us or one of NASCAR's officials that said, you know, that they weren't in the job of babysitting. So it, it kind of comes down to that. And, it really seems like NASCAR is saying, okay, we don't want to ruin the team and their momentum. We're going to serve a penalty. They got around it, and we're good with it because we issued a penalty and took action, and they're done with it. That They don't want to necessarily restrict them anymore 
they're okay with him still running the team as a puppet master. So why call it a penalty? That's uh, that's my question. It's not really a penalty. Um, it's just kind of a action that they're taking uh, that is pretty much meaningless. Uh, so my question is, why do it if if uh, you're going to sanction it by allowing them to continue to communicate? Uh, then why give them the penalty? I d- I don't understand that. So. Um, uh, if they want the wheel, and, and let's put it in perspective of all the wheels that have been changed. I think they put it up on the screen the other day. I, there's something like 10 wheels that have come off all season long, which really in the big scheme of things, if they have four, uh, four wheel changes in a race times the 36 teams or however many teams there are out there, 10 uh, wheels is is kind of – not it's it's significant, but it's not unexpected that ten wheels uh that ten mistakes are gonna happen uh they also talked about that on the show how and I love the n b c coverage by the way uh because they really educated people they showed exactly how that wheel goes on, and that there's that little red button that has to pop up. Uh, for them to know that that wheel is on there. Uh, These guys are working in split milliseconds uh, to try to get a nine-second tire change, and uh, it all happens very quickly. I get that. Uh, Should we just expect that that's going to happen once in a while? But what about the whole safety issue? I, I I, I don't get... If this is such a big safety issue, why we're so lackadaisical about the penalty? So I do think there needs to be a stiffer penalty. I know NASCAR doesn't want to get in the job of babysitting these adults, uh, but uh, it, then let's let's call it for what it is. Uh, but somebody at some point is going to get hurt bad. And uh, I do believe it is a safety issue when a 60-pound tire goes rolling <laughs> off of a 200-mile-per-hour car. Um, that it, It's not a safe situation, and it could be a fan. It could be crew members. It could be uh, medical workers. It could be anybody that could get hurt uh, out there with a 60-pound tire rolling around. So I think the penalty needs to be a little bit stiffer. Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the penalty should be a little bit stiffer because, um, like I said, it, I mean, if he's at the race center at Hendrick Motorsports, he's basically still contributing, and um, that's not really a penalty if, if that's going on. So I think NASCAR should look into that and possibly uh, change it. So what do you think, Jay? Should they reconsider their thoughts about uh, babysitting? <laughs> Or is there another well, penalty they can give that might be significant? It, it seems like, and I hate to see it go that route, but it seems like until you start pay, taking points away from the team, affecting the run for the championship, that they really do adhere to it. I mean, we've seen it with other rules and stuff. You penalize 1500000 dollars they pay it and go on about their business. You start saying, hey, we're going to take wins away. We're going to take championship points away. Then it becomes serious. So that almost seems to be the direction they have to go. 
because we all agree this isn't really a penalty, especially in this day and age of the technology. It's not a true penalty. They can work on the car right up until the race, uh, direct the race from the race center, whatever shop they're at. So even even having them in the booth or in a locked room, no phones, the only thing you're really taking away is that four-hour window of the race where there isn't another crew chief. But these bigger teams have the resources to have very solid crew chiefs in their spot um, making those decisions. Yeah, if you have that one, that, the main one to lean back on and talk to and just kind of verify with um, is taking away some. But I, the, the points penalty is the only thing that really seems to put a stop to things. Now, you brought up the tire thing, and percentage-wise, out of tires, I agree, it is a minimal. However, especially when it comes to one lug nut, you know, it used to be you missed one lug nut on, out of five. There was a monetary penalty or whatever. I don't know that of the numbers to, compared to other years. It just seems like we have seen more come all the way off. But that was because they used to be able to, sometimes it would be three lug nuts that were on there would still hold that tire on. So it wasn't that the tire was mm-hmm. loose. Uh, it just didn't come all the way off. I do think we are starting to, to get to a point of, hey, one lug nut, we got to make something better where it isn't coming off because that one mistake equals one tire coming off. It used to be one mistake, two mistakes, tires still stay on, just wobble. They could get it back down to pit road before it came off. And, yes, mm-hmm. it is a state when it went through the infield. I think Mike brought it up. I don't remember what race it was. Bounced through and landed on somebody's RV. That's that's doing some damage, um, you know. And and I'm a tough guy, but if a tire comes bouncing at me, you know, I'm going down. It's, it's, I'm not going to stand there and go, oh, look what bounced off of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And I think it's the safety uh, concern uh, that has me worried. There's only been 10 tires that have come off, but uh, we're lucky. We are darn lucky that one of those tires hasn't seriously hurt someone. And I don't know why NASCAR's waiting uh, for somebody to get hurt before they do some serious penalty uh, things here. Uh, I know it's a learning curve, and I know these guys are working really hard to kind of get past that learning curve. Uh, but in some cases, it seems like it's the same teams. So they've got to work harder. Uh, not to let that happen, and I think a points deduction uh, would really put a sense of urgency on that uh, learning curve uh, in order to get it right. Uh, There's a lot of teams that haven't had any tire issues, so those guys are doing it right. Maybe they don't have the nine-second pit stop, (laughs) but uh, the safety is there uh, for everyone around them. So um, I agree with you, Jay, that it's going to have to be points that they're going to have to take off before these guys uh, get really serious. Uh, and I, I 100% agree that it is not a penalty uh, to take a crew chief out of the race. So why do it? I mean, why do it if he can sit somewhere else and still crew chief? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Let's stop doing that and let's start uh, penalizing with points. Um, so just some thoughts uh, on that. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next hot topic, and Tommy will let you uh, pick the first one, or the next one, I should say. 
Okay, let's go with uh, well, let's just go with um, the race last night at Nashville, NBC being back, and um, let's loop in, I guess, the um, the uh, I guess the controversial no call last night for no caution with Brad K at the end there. Oh, at the end of the race, okay, um, you want to uh, take that, Jay? All right, well, I was traveling, so I was listening to it on the radio. So I don't know exactly where Brad's car, how nasty of a hit he had into the wall like that. The one thing, and as I was listening, um, Amanda also said that immediately Clinton had messaged and said that, oh, if that hadn't been chased, they would would have thrown a caution. It was to protect him winning. I don't buy that. I really don't. If something happens and they're debating about whether or not throw a caution, it is about whether or not we can continue racing safely. I don't think they are looking at who is leading, who's going to win, who it's going to affect, how they're going to line up, or anything else like that. It is whether or not they can continue racing and not alter the outcome of the race and let it play out as it is. Uh, That's my belief. Uh, so, like I said, not having seen it or how they, what the accident was, they make a judgment call. And, and they admitted that they had messed up at the all-star race, throwing a caution too early when it didn't need to be. They're trying to be consistent and make the right call is the biggest thing to me. If a car is, has scrubbed the wall and is, is rolling again, they don't feel they're going to need to respond to it as far as safety, then they're letting it go and not doing something. All-Star Race, we, we admit, is always a little bit different, even if they threw that caution just because there was a paper cup on the track to make that one exciting. That one is just all about the fans and an excitement. This is a points race, so I think they made a decision based off of that. I don't believe it has anything to do with who was leading, who they wanted to catch up, or who was going to get a lap back and may have a shot. I don't buy that. I know there are a lot of people that feel certain things go down that way. I just don't buy it. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think NASCAR has said this before, that uh, if it does not impact the race and there's an accident while people are crossing the finish line, uh, they don't feel that it's necessary to call the caution. Uh, I can't think of a situation where they have in more recent years, called a caution as everybody's crossing the finish line. Um, But um, uh, I think they made the right call last night. Now, Mike's take on it, he said there's a lot of chatter in the typical chattering places about NASCAR playing favorites with the nine leading. Uh, And then uh, I guess Carson Hosevar was one of those people who said something. He says, pretty bold for a guy who hasn't won a single truck race to throw shade on a cup champ, but here we go. Um, His take on it, though, uh, I wouldn't be so so hard on Carson Hosevar. He's only stating an opinion. Uh, But uh, Mike's take on it, uh, someone who's never even raced a truck race or a cup race, uh, my take, I think at that point everyone wanted to go home, NASCAR already had a pretty decent race at that, and it was a long day. I think they just wanted to get it finished since it was near midnight on the East Coast for a race that started over eight hours ago. Uh, That might have played something into it, but I think it has more to do 
with what Jay and I had mentioned in the earlier part. They've already said that if there's an accident on the track that doesn't impact the the finish of the race, that they're not going to make that call. And it's kind of one of those situations where they're darned if they do and they're darned if they don't. You mentioned uh, being trigger happy on a recent call that everybody was all up in arms that they shouldn't have made that call. Well, now they didn't make the call. They weren't trigger happy on it. They let it go because it didn't impact at the end of the race. And uh, everybody's up in arms about that. So uh, I say take it for what it is. Uh, No matter what they do, somebody's going to complain. And uh, I think they made the right call. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, um, yeah, I can kind of see where Mike is coming from about playing favorites. I don't feel that way. You know, I didn't catch the race last night at the end. I only saw bits and pieces of it uh, throughout yesterday. Um, but the, the rain delayed the wrenching things. And then, like you said, it was about midnight, so I was already in bed. So I didn't see the ending. I didn't see that. But I did see the replay, and you could tell that Brad Kay had wrecked, hit the wall, and was coming down the track. And you do feel like – Normally, that would have been a caution. Uh, However, though, I can completely see where they didn't throw the caution here because, you know, kind of like everybody said, it was getting late and it was kind of time to end the race. And Brad Kay was down on the apron. He was out of the way. He had corrected his car. So I see, you know, it was a good, I guess you could say it was a good no call, in, in my opinion, I would say that. But it just happens to be coincidental that Chase Elliott, the uh, people's champion, the fan favorite, happens to be leading and winning at that time, and and he, you know, there's no there's no caution flag. So um, maybe it would have made an exciting overtime finish if they did do that. Um, if there wasn't already one, like I said, I didn't see the end of the race. I only saw the replays, but just coincidental. But um, Brad Kay was out of the way, and he was off the track, so I think it was a good no call. Okay. Jay, any follow-up? Yeah, this is one where I mentioned not buying into their doing it because of who's winning. The length of the race and what they've gone through already, I can't speak the NASCAR side, but I have been at local tracks where that does come into play that they've been there a long time, it's time to go home, that has altered some decisions and calls that have made. That, I would say, maybe had, came into play in thought process of let's just get this over with and done and gone. Um, you like to hope to think that it wouldn't a whole lot because that, too, is in a factor of, they, you know, you want to see it that they make the same decision on the same situation, which no situation is the same. I, I get that. Um, that it's not based on an outside factor like that of, hey, we've been here a long time. If you would normally during a race throw that as a caution, then do it. If you wouldn't, don't. So you want to keep that focus or that consistency of that. doesn't matter what part of the race it is, whether it's prior to a stage break during pit cycles. Mm-hmm. For example, the one, and now that I'm a little more lenient on, we saw where they left a tire sitting um, that would normally have brought out a caution, but they let the pit cycle cycle through so nobody was affected by the caution and get a letdown down because it was during uh, green flag pit stops. 
That's why I think that's a mistake. If any other time that caution would have come up, if somebody has pitted and somebody hasn't, you can't let that factor in. Would we throw a caution for that situation? Now you're adding in a second element of so-and-so's leading. We're coming up on this. You know, with it, dark, if it's curfew, um, getting dark and you don't have lights and you're going to have to call the race. You can't not make a safety call, which is what a caution is, based on mm-hmm. those other influences. So that one, I, you know, it may be that they thought about that of, hey, can we just let this run out? We've been here all day. And I say, local track, I have seen that call made of we just want to go home. I hope that that wasn't the case. Um, I'll go with that. They feel it really wasn't a factor. He hit the wall, yes. He came off. There was no big debris. He wasn't going to be a factor. Let him race it out. But you got to be consistent with that then. If if a tire comes off or a tire is sitting there during green flag, you'd throw it. If it's during the stage break or middle of green uh, pit stops, still got to throw it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys bring up some good points. Uh, but um, uh, I do think that NASCAR made the right call. Uh, nobody was affected. Uh, nobody's uh, finishing position was affected. Uh, and, it, you know, in the end, uh, to me, that's the proof in the pudding that there, it was the right call that was made. Uh, everybody uh, finished. And like uh, it was brought up that he was down on the apron, he was out of the way, there was no debris on the track. So, again, I I can't say where I think it's a bad call. I think it was a good call on NASCAR's part. So uh, we'll have to see if uh, they have any response to it or if they are going to respond to it. I know media members can ask for like the director of competition to come out and and make a statement as to why they didn't make a call or whatever. Uh, It doesn't sound like that took place. I'm going to look on the media site here real quick just to see and make sure um, that that doing While you're doing that, Sharon, just to expound on a teammate that I did want to follow up on, the whole questioning the call, that's driven saying keep it, everybody's going to be happy. That's being driven by the Chase, anti-Chase Elliott fans at this point. Yeah. When it came to Ryan Blaney, they wanted to see him win. They felt like it may have taken it away. The ones that felt he should have been black flagged for the safety net, those are going to be Denny Hamlin fans driven by him. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a – the commotion is brought about by a particular group because their driver or what they were looking for didn't happen. So you're going to have that after every race, after everything that happens – some group is going to be pushing, hey, this should have been this way because that would have helped my guy. <laughs> oh, exactly right. Uh, I did look, and there is no audio here from the director of competition, so there was no request for him to make a statement from the media. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts in closing this one out? <clears throat> um. Well, yeah, like y'all said, I don't think that NASCAR directly does stuff like that to determine the race or the end of the race. But um, like I said, it was just coincidental that he happened to be winning. And but I feel like it was a good no call, and um, people just try to cause a stir and say that he. Uh, I mean, he is the fan favorite. He, he's been voted in the past few years, but 
it's really just a coincidence, nothing more than that. But um, glad NBC is back. Um, their first uh, broadcast was kind of ruined due to the rain and everything, so that kind of um, shifted things, and it, um, it kind of you know, felt that I had to switch over to USA and all that stuff. But um, from what I did watch of the race, um, it did, it was pretty good. Um, uh, William Byron wrecked out, so that was unfortunate. He was my pick. Um, but uh, maybe he'll win next weekend. I wrote it to America. Yeah, my pick was uh, Alex Bowman, and he was the first car out of the race. So, <laughs> anyway, um, I will say, as far as the NBC, it was such a shame that for their first broadcast, they did such a great job, I thought, in the booth. Uh, the pre-race, uh, all of it was just so good. Uh, the focus on the race, uh, to have it interrupted the way it was, uh, I'm sure uh, didn't help the ratings. But uh, I, I, I thought overall they did such a great job. It's just a shame that that had to happen on the first, first race out uh, for this half of the season. Jay, did you have any uh, quick comments? Well, let me make a, a comment real quick before you say that. Um, we're coming up to the 1030 time frame, and for those people that are tuning in for the first time, we go off the air at exactly 1030 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that means you'll hear us go off air while we're still talking And you might be wondering, well, how do I hear the rest of that conversation? Well, I'm going to go out. We're going to continue to record the rest of that conversation, first of all. And then when we're done here, I go out on Twitter to let folks know that the podcast is now available. In fact, I'm doing that on Facebook now, too. So uh, when that happens, you just go to the podcast, uh, the player over at FamperRacing.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation uh, as part of our bonus overtime material that is available on our podcast. So I just wanted to make sure folks knew that, especially our first-time listeners. Uh, and uh, as a reminder for anybody else that might be tuning in tonight, uh, so watch for that email. Or not email, but uh, tweet uh, and that post on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Okay, now, Jay, what are your thoughts about NBC? Well, I say I haven't watched the uh, the um, television coverage yet. I know that was a big thing through Fox. And, and it's one of those of, uh, you mentioned it, the rain delay and the ch- switching of channels. The rain delays, nobody benefits during a rain delay. I mean, it just... Uh, mm-hmm. the, messes people up all the way around. I'm trying to use, not use certain words. I know that, uh, I don't know if it's one they beep out when they're on TV, but it stinks. I mean, it, yeah, it's no fun for anybody. As things don't go the way you want. It happens. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Bless but, you. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, I'm not one that am super gets it, uh, who covers what better. Uh, I know certain fans there again, prefer NBC, Dale Jr., let's say Fox and Clint Boyer. You know, it's just you're going to hear it from both sides. Uh, you know, I really do. I know Fox was kind of taking a beating. We'll see if that happens to NBC. If not, good for them um, that they don't have to deal with that. But uh, generally there is somebody out there that will stir something up about something. So we'll just have uh, 
what well, how that goes. Well, you know, just the, I think everybody likes Clint Boyer. Uh, everybody likes Mike Joy over at uh, the Fox side of things. Uh, I think that it's just a matter of, you know, the the production direction uh, that they're getting is not always the best. Uh, so it might be something along those lines that needs to be changed more so than the people. Uh, just a thought there. Uh, okay, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, I think we can tie, I, from what I saw, there were two of them as far as driver announcements, uh, kind of give back on both of them. We saw Martin Truex has signed a one-year, and I believe Ricky Stenhouse was a multi-year, if I recall correctly. Uh, was his not a multi-year extension? Uh, let's see. Uh, no. A contract, okay, just as a contract, yeah. Just as a contract extension for next year, but so at least uh, both of them we know are set. You know, we start watching that. We've kind of discussed the Martin Truex one. We knew their possible retirement was coming there, and obviously could still loom as it was a one-year deal. Same with Ricky Stenhouse. Then, if it is only for an extension through one more year, um, be keeping an eye on them next year as far as how they do. But that does fill in some of the blanks as uh, we look at silly season and who we want to see come up or get in cars and spots next year. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts about those two announcements. JTD, JTG Doherty Racing announcing an extension for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. for next year and Martin Truex Jr. extending uh, for 2023 at Joe Gibbs Racing. Well, glad to hear that Martin Truex Jr. is coming back for one more year. Um, so now we know that basically Ty Gibbs is going to stay one more year in the extended level. So um, next year, Kyle Busch, Truex, Hamlin, or uh, Christopher Bell, uh, one of those guys, in my opinion, is not going to be at JGR next year because, or two years from now because Ty Gibbs is going to be uh, a rookie. But uh Glad to hear Ty Gibbs back, and uh, I think Ricky Stenhouse has been doing good this year. Um, I always, if my pick is gone for Talladega and Daytona, I always have Ricky on my mind because he has won two of those races at Daytona and Dega, and uh, I really think that he is going to eventually get another win there. So I'll keep, I'll continue to pick him until it happens, but. Um, I think it'll happen sooner rather than later for him at one of those tracks. So uh, good for him to go ahead and get an extension, too, because um, you would have thought, you know, JGR, they've had Priest, they've had Stenhouse, they've had um, they had AJ. Like, they, they rotate guys in and out of there. So uh, glad to hear him stick there and keep building what he's building, and uh, hopefully he eventually gets a win there. And um Really glad to hear that Truex is going to come back. I wasn't ready for him to retire. He's he's now one of those that I'm hanging on to, just like uh, Harvick and um, Kurt Busch. Don't retire. Just keep keep on racing. Don't don't retire yet. Okay, uh, I'm going to start with JTG Doherty Racing and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I think this is a good relationship, and I think it's a reciprocal 
relationship. I think Ricky's been really good uh, for JTG Doherty, uh, and I think that uh, they've been really good for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, so I'm glad to see that he's back again for next year. Uh, I I hope uh, that we can kind of think of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as more than than just the super speedway racer. I know he does really good on the super speedways, but I have seen some glimmers of him doing well on some of the oval tracks uh, this year as well. So I hope he doesn't. Um, I hope he's away. Uh, from the super speedway thing, I, I I think he's probably got more super speedway wins in him. Uh, he's a good super speedway racer, uh, but I would like to see him kind of broaden uh, that resume a little bit with more wins in some of these other tracks. I know he's gotten top fives, he's gotten top tens. Uh, he needs to start getting some wins on some of these other uh, bigger tracks. But I do think that. Uh, uh, that organization has been good for Ricky, and Ricky has been good for that organization. So I, I think it makes sense that they brought him back for another year. As far as Martin Truex Jr., I couldn't be happier. I was uh, a little concerned that maybe he was uh, starting to get fed up with uh, this new car and maybe uh, thinking about retiring, uh, but he's going to be back for 2023, and I think that's really good news. I don't think Martin Truex Jr., is ready to hang it up either. I think that he wants to continue to race. I think he wants to figure out this next-gen car. And I think we've seen uh, indications that they are starting to do that, especially uh, throughout uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. So Martin Truex Jr., I've got a feeling, is a big part of that. Uh, And uh, as uh, as is Benny Hamlin and Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell. So I think those guys just, uh, I think it makes sense to keep him on board uh, for 2023. And you bring up a good point, Tommy. Uh, I think that's an indication, uh, most likely an indication, that um, uh, Ty Gibbs is going to stay in the Xfinity Series for another year. And I think that's a good move for him as well. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, we already knew that, that Joe Gibbs announced that was his intention, and we know things can change. We saw it with Daniel Suarez, Carl Edwards, um, but that was mm-hmm. the intention with Ty Gibbs there for, and they said at least two seasons, which would mean he would need to run next year full time. So that kind of left that door open. So I know you're excited, Sharon, and I'm not saying he doesn't if he still has the drive and wants to where that would leave Martin Truex, but I do think this may be his final year in a Joe Gibbs racing number 19. Um, just from what I've seen, the, the fact that the retirement was such a heavy option uh, by Martin Truex's own words, you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Harvick has been right on that bubble. Uh, you know, is this my last year? Do I do one year, two year? Um, you know, reality is reality. We're coming to the end of it, uh, Martin Truex. Uh, so take for next year for what it is. We know it is going to happen. Uh, I don't know what I'd say, see down the road, especially with Joe Gibbs racing, because I think at some point we, we know Ty Gibbs is coming in. It's just a matter of where. And I think this is one where yeah. I think it was kind of left to Martin Truex of, hey, it's your show right now. What do you want to do? It's your call. 
Um, and we saw that with uh, with Jimmy Johnson. You know, I mean, that's you want to walk away now? It's yours. If not, we got you to ride. That's their decision, and you got to respect it. For Ricky Stenhouse and JTG Dowdery, uh, this one is a, is a tough one. I like the fact that he's staying there. I think he's a good driver. I know he's got a reputation for aggressive driver. So does Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, and a couple others. So that's not the issue to me. We've seen that, you know, Sharon, you mentioned it, um, flashes of improvement at all tracks. We saw it last year with the two-car team, and it was unfortunate for Ryan Priest. They just didn't have the charter and the sponsors to continue doing two teams. Uh, I think that may have set them back or hurt them a little bit, um, but they seem to be maintaining. That is an organization I feel like has always been on the verge of moving from a top 20, top 15, top 10 team to a weekly competitive team. Uh, that little little something is just missing, and we don't know what it is yet, but I think by keeping the team that they have together and continuing to build on it is the right direction. Now, there's several spots where had Ricky Stenhouse not come back, a couple of drivers I feel would be a good fit and could take them forward as well. So it was kind of interesting to see. But I'm happy for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And like I said, I think they can continue to build on that. Tommy, your follow-up? Uh, glad to see both of them back. Um, and yeah, Ricky's had a good year, I think. Um, it would be awesome to see him sneak through with the win. Uh, Daytona's coming up in a few weeks, so he's definitely got a chance, um, like he always does there. And, um, yeah, I'm glad Martin Truex isn't retiring yet. I know that this year, next year is probably going to be it, but um, at least we get get him for a few, uh, a bunch of more races. So can't complain there. But um, Bass Pro Shops is definitely going to be missing uh, Martin Truex when he is gone. Yes, indeed. I agree with you guys there that uh, that day is coming. Uh, but I'm going to enjoy this year while it's here <laughs> and the contract extension for 2023. Uh, but I, I do agree with you guys as well. I don't have a whole lot more to say, so I'm going to kind of represent Mike Orzel here and read you his comment uh, regarding JTG Doherty Racing and the extension with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He said no reason to let him go. Kroger has been a reliable partner for the team. So AFIK sponsorship isn't an issue. I'm not sure what that stands for. Um, Stenhouse has been doing so as well or better than is reasonable to expect out of that car. So those were uh, Mike's thoughts. Uh, Jay, any follow-up there? Do you know what AFIK stands for? AFIK. I do not off the top of my head. So normally awaiting further awaiting further knowledge. No, I don't know. <laughs> AFIK sponsorship. So AFK oh, I'm, the the sentence is AFIK sponsorship isn't an issue. Oh yeah, I still think that that's a that's an abbreviation something as funded. I do not. Well, we're gonna go with I do not. <laughs> I got I can okay. make some things up here, but I, I really don't. Yeah, I really don't. 
um, it would all just be a wild guess as to what I think it might stand for. So we'll leave that, we'll leave that one alone. Um, okay. And then we hit on all the key key things. Happy to see both of them in that situation. We know there's a future on both sides um, when and if anything changes. Uh, hopefully for Ricky Stenhouse, it extends his. For Martin Truex, it's a matter of he goes out when he's happy and ready to. Uh, I think of the two key elements there. I don't believe Ricky Stenhouse is ready to walk away and just finding that, like I said, that I feel like that team is just missing a little something to, to take them to that next level, and they just need to hit on it. And we've seen that. I know when we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think Ricky Stenhouse and the team had had a top 10 streak going, um, that he had been the best finishing driver of this race, period. So we know they're capable of it, at least in stretches. Same goes with Tyler Reddick with uh, Richard Childress. It's kind of, the wheels are kind of coming off or they, they hit a speed bump. Uh, get it back and get it back on track. Okay. Tommy, you're up for the next hot topic. Okay, let's go with... Um... Uh, let's go with uh, Bubba Wallace criticizing his uh, team and crew chief after the uh, or during the race. Okay, yeah, there was some echoes in that conversation. Uh, Jay, do you want to uh, be first up on this one? <laughs> I'm not sure where to chime in on this one altogether. It's one of those, though, do I think that what he did and said was right and I didn't hear, I know on Race Hub, I caught the tail end of uh, when it happened. It is just one of those frustrations. You know they got the car, the speed. They're just not finishing races, and that frustration is getting to that point. Uh, we, we saw it a few years back from Kevin Harvick, uh, maybe not in the same level or degree, but each driver is a little bit different. Uh, I think that Bubba needs to figure out how to handle some things differently and better to be more productive about it. And maybe he's already tried certain avenues with that and feels that it didn't work. So uh, is trying a different uh, aspect to it. I, I don't agree with with the the rant per se, but I also understand of the expectation as Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin have expectations of him and he's coming so close to delivering that it's just to that point of they're right on that edge and they're just not able to get over the hump and the frustration is there. So um, I I will certainly don't condemn him. I hope that he can find a different way and the team can work better together to as a team because that's, it takes the team. So, um, maybe sit and uh, talk about it with Kurt Busch. We've seen it. Kurt Busch has had his moments. And there, too, I, put, I try to put myself in that position of, of understanding his fr- frustration and not to say I wouldn't have had the same kind of temper tantrum or had a rant like that as well. The fact that so close and it's these little things um, week in and week out that are keeping them from being really successful that you get that frustration just reaches that point that I wouldn't also explode in the, in the wrong way. So um, look to the future and figure out how as a team they can come together and all get past it. Yeah, that's the thing about this. Uh, as the driver, he's a big part of what helps to gel 
that team together. And you're right. We've seen other drivers get really upset with their crew chiefs or with their crew uh, or crew chief. And uh, sometimes that pays off. We'll have to see how this one plays out. I guess Michael Jordan was on the pit box uh, kind of watching all of this unfold. Uh, Michael Jordan's had his own things uh, that he's had to deal with. Um, I think Wallace is has reason to be upset with his crew, but doing it publicly like that reflects poorly on him more so than it does on the crew. I, everybody knows that the crew's had some issues. Uh, there, I don't know the situation or the circumstances there, uh, but the leadership needs to get involved as well here and maybe have a sit-down conversation with Moody Barker and, and that team to find out what what's going on uh, because there's obviously some issues there and they've got to get that worked out and they've got to clear the air between Bubba Wallace and his team uh, because that can backfire on him too because uh, the team might not want to put forth that effort for a guy who is going to be critical of them. So he's got it's a fine line that he's walking on and a slippery slope. And if you're going to get angry, there's a right time and a right place to do it. And I'm not sure that he chose necessarily the right time and place or the right way uh, to express his anger on Sunday. Uh, and that's part of his learning curve. So uh, hopefully there's some conversations taking place over at 2311 Racing this week uh, that will clear the air and kind of get these guys back on the right track. It's on the right things. Uh, I'm just fearful uh, that this could go the complete opposite direction and uh, it could completely fall apart. Uh, I hope, hopefully they all realize that and they know that that's not what they truly want, and they're all going to come together and kind of work their way through this. Uh, but Booty Barker is a big part of that. He's, he's the leader of the team. It's kind of like the buck stops here when it comes to what happens uh, with the pit crew and what happens with that car. So Booty Barker has to really kind of come together and pull this together as well. Uh, but I do think... Uh, that there's some things that maybe Michael Jordan could offer Bubba Wallace as far as coaching as well. So I hope that they're having some uh, sit-downs and some conversations over a beer or whatever uh, to kind of work this. uh, Because nobody's faultless here. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's time to have those conversations. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I think this was a good point that somebody on Twitter made. Um, so, like, Kevin Harvick and other drivers, they always criticize their pit crew and crew chiefs. And, yeah, it looks bad, but there was just, like, a huge uproar over the way Bubba Wallace did it. And, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, other drivers do it too. So, I mean, I don't understand why it was a big deal with him. So, that was all I have to say about Twitter. It was It was – crazy though the amount of of heat but I mean he's not wrong like he is up there 
he's up there running in the front like week in and week out, and then he'll have a pit stop and then terrible. Then he's, you know, got to work his way back up to the front. It's usually late in the race when it happens. So, I mean, he's, you know, he just bad luck. But, um, I mean, yeah, it doesn't look good, I understand, and I'm sure they're having conversations about it. I'm sure he's already apologized. I mean, these guys, I mean, it's heat of the moment. And uh, he does have a good crew chief from what I've heard uh, from what I've seen and everything. So, you know, I, I think he'll get another win. I mean, Kurt's already got one. And eventually all this bad luck will turn around and he'll have a good run or two and maybe even come away with a win or two. Okay. Uh, Jay? Yeah, and, and I think there, and we saw it from Booty Barker of – you know, back and that was one we said uh, during the race itself. We didn't realize of when Bubba Wallace didn't meet minimum speed that it went into detail on that. It was Booty Barker's call. Sometimes the call a crew chief makes uh, turns out to be right. Sometimes it's not. And Booty Barker has accepted that. Same thing with this one um, from practice to qualifying. Something didn't go right, and they said, "Hey, we didn't give you the right stuff." So he's taking that part upon himself and acknowledging that and wants to improve the group and the team. As you said, leadership, starting with the crew chief, but maybe then also Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, although I'm not sure Denny Hamlin would be the one to pull in at this point um, from my perspective. I'll just throw that out there. But come together. And Bubba Wallace, uh, as I was just saying, that, that he may be on point and understand that frustration going over. I think back to the iRacing deal where he got upset and shut it off and pulled out, and it cost him sponsors. So he also needs to look at himself, though, of what he's doing and the way he's doing it, of how that's affecting the team. Like you said, Sharon, this might have a negative impact, so he may have some points. Uh, we, we agree that maybe the way that particular way it does happen, especially in the heat of the moment. Hopefully, you know, Tommy mentioned, maybe they've already had to sit down and be like, hey, I was out of line. They need to. They need to all get on the same page. Because they are, they are right there with the speed they've had in the car and where mm-hmm. they've been running, just not finishing. So it's what can we do to get over that final hump? And infighting is not going to get you over that final hump. Uh, I'll tell you that. I mean, that's that's not going to be the, the way to go about it. So um, hopefully I mentioned Booty Barker, I think, is one of the better crew chiefs we've seen throughout the years. There's a reason. And we've seen the from when he was brought in. I mean... You know, there's several aspects that have changed. A teammate in Kurt Busch. There again, I think Kurt Busch is one to lean on as he has been there, done that, and can tell Bubba how it goes when you start going down that road. Station you mm-hmm. build. <coughs> Excuse me. So then when you do want to talk to him and say, hey, I got some good input and whatever, they're going to be like, you don't want to talk to us. You don't want to, you know. So got to be careful about it. I know through from what I heard over the radio, Booty Barker kept at it, be like, hey, this was on us. You know, we know that. We're going to work on it. Let's try to work together and keep it focused. So uh, I think mm-hmm. he's got a good crew chief that, even if he feels it was out of line, is willing to overlook it and go, hey, let's move forward. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're right too, Tommy. Uh, I, I don't think uh, that. that it's not justified. I think that it is justified. He has every right to be angry. I think what people are upset with is the, the 
you know, <laughs> when you tell your crew chief not to talk to you uh, for the rest of the race, uh, that's kind of a double-edged sword, too, because uh, you might need to know something <laughs> uh, that could uh, be important. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I've, I've heard Kevin Harvick berate his team. I've heard Kurt Busch berate his team. I've heard these guys do that. Um, and in some cases, you might see a better result the next week. Uh, but in some cases, uh, and, and Kurt Busch might be able to talk about this, Kurt Busch normally can find the, the good, and he makes teams better in the long run uh, when he works with them. So when he gets angry, there's enough respect there that I think that people accept it. Now, whether or not Bubba Wallace has developed that respect with his team, that's yet for us to see. I think the same thing's true with Kevin Harvick. When they've done it, I think they've had the respect of the team uh, that he can say those things and they understand where he's coming from and they still have respect for him as a driver. So we'll have to wait and see if that's going to be the case for Bubba Wallace. Uh, it might be that they have to let some people go if they're not getting the job done. And you're right. Booty Barker did apologize. He did take ownership of some things that did happen this week. Um, and and uh, I get that. But they may have to look and see, you know, where their weakest link is and maybe uh, replace that person. But that has pitfalls, too, because now you've got to go through a whole different learning curve again. So, um, uh, you're right, Jay, you said it well, that these guys have to have that conversation and, uh, they probably already have had the conversations and, uh, Bubba's probably already apologized. Um, but, um, I, I guess we'll see if he's got the respect of his team members and how that works out for him uh, moving forward. And that's the main thing. They've got to keep it focused on moving forward. And you're right, Booty Barker did a good job of keeping it focused on moving forward and not dwelling and putting that kind of behind them and moving forward. So we'll see what happens. Tommy, you get the last word here. Uh, I'm sure they'll rebound and um, get it together. I mean, they've already got a win with Kurt Busch and got a win last year at Talladega. I think it's only a matter of time before we see uh, Bubba back in victory lane. So uh, his time will come again. And uh, like I said, I think it's going to be soon. It's just a matter of time. But, um, yeah, they'll they'll figure that out uh, between them, what we saw this past weekend. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't look good, but um, he is right. Uh, his team has put him in some bad situations. So, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, we'll see if he gets a win this year. Okay. Okay. We are coming up to the top of the hour here, so we'll go ahead and do our round table at this point. Um, so, uh, Tommy, let's start with you on the round table. Uh, at Cincinnati Five Fan on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow. Uh, I've been trying to post my uh, diecast uh, every day uh, with the uh, date. And, um, yeah, I've got a bunch of good paint schemes, so I really want everybody to see them. So give me a follow so you can see my cars. 
Yep. I really like your daily uh, date uh, with the cars. I, I love that. Okay. Yes. Bring back some memories. Uh, each and every one we get to see some of the cars you've had up there. They, that is pretty cool. Uh, you can follow me uh, on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. So the vacation is over. Time to get back in the groove. I really enjoyed being back tonight. and I'll be back with Sharon for the uh, preview show on Thursday as well as Hot Topics. And then Sal needs his vacation, so covering uh, for him next week following the 4th of July. We can look forward to that. Okay, so there you have it, a programming note for uh, next Tuesday. We will be on the air versus Monday, July the 4th. Uh, So look for us on Tuesday instead of Monday. And uh, Jay will be co-hosting with us on Thursday. I mean, this Thursday as well as next Tuesday. So um, we do have a guest lined up for this Thursday. Uh, he's, an, he's an ARCA Racing Series driver uh, with Andy Hillenberg uh, and um, Fast Track Racing. So Kyle Lockrow uh, will be on the show this Thursday night at 9 o'clock, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to him. He's, he's also an endurance racer in open wheel, so, uh, and, well, not necessarily open wheel, but an endurance racer uh, with IMSA. So uh, we'll look forward to talking to him about that as well as racing in the Arkham Art Series with Andy Hillenberg. So uh, look for Kyle Lockrow next Thursday, this Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter as well as Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else including our website, BamfaRacing.com, which, by the way, we do have a player at our website, BamfaRacing.com. If you haven't heard the interviews that we did earlier tonight with uh, Derek Thorne during the second half hour and with Christian Rose, uh, Derek Thorne's with the SRL Southwest Touring Series. He'll be racing uh, several races around the country. We talked about that. Uh, and then uh, Christian Rose has been racing in all three of the Arkham Menard Series uh, events uh, throughout the year. And uh, his next race is in the Arca West out at Irwindale Speedway. We talked with him uh, this Thursday, this uh, tonight during that third half hour. So um, uh, check those out if you haven't had a chance. Uh, Also, uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you uh, for taking time to hear what we have to say. And also, uh, two of the Fan for Racing crew, uh, Sal Segala, who co-hosts for the first 90 minutes, uh, Jay Huseman, and Tommy Kraft. I appreciate all that you guys do. Uh, these conversations on hot topics are always fun, and uh, I always look forward to them. And we'll be back here to do it again, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday night for our preview show. So uh, uh, I hope everybody uh, enjoyed the show as much as we enjoy doing it. And with that, guys, I guess uh, we're ready to call it a night. All right. Uh, make sure you tune in Thursday. I think there were still three hot topics we didn't get to and may be some more coming throughout the week. So we always got a full docket of hot topics. No doubt. Thank you, Jay. All right. Good night.
Okay. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.